I've got something on my screen here. What do you got? I don't know. There's like some dirt or something. Oh, wait. No, it's the surge. Oh. <laughs> I don't find that funny. I don't find that funny at all. In a world filled with games, one team of elite gamers comes together to do the impossible, complete their backlogs, starring Grouchy Surge, Ryan Mathman Craig, Patrick the Backlog Odyssey, Mike Blaze Knight Grinnell, and featuring Jeremy the Trash Turkey. When this team of elite gamers comes together, they form the ultimate combo, the Backlog Busters! Coming soon to a podcast near you. Well, gentlemen, it's come to that time of the evening to think of how lucky we are. I'm living in Las Vegas, and I've got a little bar in my fridge. I've got a math man in another state with a big old glass of water. I've got half of a mic on a screen and half in an odyssey beside him. Three of the four of us have beards. Two of us are grayer than the third. That's so sad. (laughs) I actually shaved this morning, but even if I tried, I wouldn't have much of a beard, so... <laughs> we have to try for a long period of time. Believe me, I'm, I'm not that blessed. <laughs> so I, yeah, usually... I, I shaved this morning as well. We can tell, we can tell. You look well, <laughs> well manicured there. All your hairs are in place, whereas mine, I've got like this... I basically wait until my wife tells me I'm starting to look too homeless, and then I trim down. That is, uh, that is pretty much my M.O., so, gentlemen, this is uh, episode two of the new Backlog Busters, and uh, I see we have about 13,000 notes, so we're going to be here till tomorrow morning. Uh, how's everybody feeling tonight? Very good. Very ready. Good. My body is ready. Your body is ready. <laughs> I've, been, I've been excited for this moment since we stopped podcasting last month. Well, you know, everybody <laughs> needs something to look forward to. So... Speaking of look forward to, I wanted to uh, I wanted to do the first topic, which is uh, looking forward to new consoles this year. Um, I'm really curious to see where everybody stands on them because I know you know there's a lot of people out there who either can't upgrade or don't want to upgrade. Uh, myself, I'm looking at it as like with the Series X, I don't need to upgrade. You know, thanks to Xbox being uh, more gamer friendly and centric recently, meaning. Any exclusives are going to be on both systems for at least a while. I think they said with it for a year or two. And then they've got that whole xCloud beta thing that they're doing where you can stream the games you own, you know, to other devices, which uh, yesterday I figured out that I'm in the xCloud beta and I've been playing with my uh, my Fire tablet a little bit and I started playing uh, Hellblade just a little bit to see how it works and everything was working pretty good on there. So... Um, my biggest problem is the fact that I have little TV time, thanks to the kids and the wife to a degree, but mostly the kids. So if I can play on a smaller screen portably while I'm, you know, hanging out with the other ones and they're doing whatever they need to, I'll actually get more time to uh, game instead of just on the Switch or like breaking out the Vita or the 3DS. So 
while I want to upgrade, like, it looks less and less like I should upgrade. You know, unless the kids just all of a sudden decide to cooperate and be like, no, Dad, you can have some alone time today. So what does everybody else alone. think? What are you guys, like, are any of you upgrading right away? Are you guys waiting? Or do you have your eye on something fancy and putting the other one off for a while? Uh, well, I, I've been thinking about it, and although I don't feel like I need to upgrade, I'm going to have a hard time not buying the new console. And when it comes between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, I'll probably go for the Series X over the PS5, mostly because that's where I'm most invested, at least on the TV, uh, short of the Nintendo Switch, but that's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't really have the money right now to go for either one. If I did go for one, I'd agree with you, Patrick, that I'd probably lean more towards the Xbox. Although I did just get my uh, Xbox One this past summer, but there's just something about that value of the Xbox Game Pass, where I don't have to go out and buy new games. There's just like a hundred or so games that are even you know, they come and they go, and Paying that, that fee a month, or if you were lucky enough that you have several years' worth when you got it for cheap, and it's just such a great value proposition, it's hard to turn that down. Especially whenever you were saying earlier that you know, a lot of those games are not going to be tied just to the new console. That you can still I can still play them on. It may not look as good as it would on the new Series X, but my televisions are ten eighty P. I don't have anything that's four K, so I'm not I'm not hurting. If I were to get a new system, though, it's kind of not really the topic that you were going, but that new Animal Crossing Switch mm. is where I'd be going. Well, I completely so. consider that an upgrade as well. Um, like, <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of it, just because I don't really need another Switch, especially if I'm not getting anything other than a fancy design. But if they were to introduce a Pro something a little bit better, maybe more memory, maybe faster load times, just, you know, something a little bit more uh, hefty than, like, all of the money that I'm saving up to eventually go to either a Series X or a PS5 would just shift over to the Switch Pro, since that's the majority of my gaming anyway, and I want to make that as convenient as possible. So, you know, much like you, if I'm looking at something and that's there dangling in front of me, I'll be like, well, I can wait another year or so for something else. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to the uh, Switch Pro, if that is a thing, I mean, the fact that you could get a handheld that's more powerful, maybe more in line with the current Xbox One or PS4, that would be kind of uh, interesting, I think. But even still, I think I'd probably go with the new Xbox myself, because I want that raw power. I want to, like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to echo everything you guys have just said because uh, much like Patrick, I am already very much invested into the Xbox ecosystem. Uh, that's where most of my games are. And I already know, I mean, for a fact that the vast majority of them will be playable on the Series X if I do decide to upgrade. Plus anything that they come out with for the next couple of years is also going to be playable on my Xbox mm -hmm. One. So I don't need to upgrade. And to I don't know, echo what Ryan said, I also have a, a television that caps out at 1080p. So going for the next 
but 4K, 8K, 12K, whatever it ends up being, um, isn't going to be particularly relevant at my house because it's going to look the same. So the only thing I would be buying it for would be faster load times. And I'm a fairly patient person, so I'll just wait a little bit. <laughs> well, I have a I mean, question for you. What if the rumors that have been going around about the PS5 being backwards compatible not even just a PS4. What if they can make it backwards compatible to PS3 and PS2 games? Then all of a sudden, that's a completely different value proposition than yeah. just talking about Xbox Game Pass. Now, it doesn't do anything for me because I don't have any PlayStation games. I have nothing. But I know some of you have, what, an entire storage shed full of PlayStation <laughs> games. Well, and that's the thing is um, I've always been more of a PlayStation fan than an Xbox fan. I've always been in a situation where I can upgrade my systems. This will be like the first time where it's going to be a conversation between me and the wife. Like, hey, you know I like to do this. You know this is my hobby, and I've been doing it since I was smaller than you. Um, but, like, I upgraded all my systems right before I got married. So when I got married, the systems came out that year before. So in my thought process, I was like, I'm going to buy them all now. I'm going to come into the relationship with them so I don't have to explain why I'm spending $500 on a new system. <laughs> so this is like that first time I need to jump into, you know, a conversation with another person and try to justify it because she's not into gaming, but me and the kids are. So, um, but I've always been more of a PlayStation fan. I, you know, I got the PlayStation 1 because of Final Fantasy 7. Uh, the PlayStation 2 I got on launch, and I still have that system, and it still works. Um, I got PlayStation 3, I got the 60 gig as soon as I heard they were going to discontinue, you know, the built-in hardware emulation on it. So I went out and overpaid for that. Um, I think the only time the Xbox really cut into the playtime was for a while there with the 360. But near the end of that console, or that generation's life cycle, I was more on the PlayStation side than I was the Xbox side anyway. Because I'm not big into, like, the bro shooters and the multiplayer and all that stuff. And PlayStation gives me more of the, you know, story-driven games that I like. So, I'm sorry, but you guys are all going to have to be fired. And I'm going to look for PlayStation co-hosts. Because too many of you said <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> well, what's funny is that only in the past, only in the past two generations, so this one and the previous one with the 360, I really went full force with the Xbox. And that was because of my unhealthy obsession with achievement hunting but we can forget about that but in my heart i'm a playstation person i've collected playstation still collect ps1 and ps2 quite frequently and the idea of the ps5 allowing for backwards compatibility across their entire uh history i mean that's a big that's a big deal i think yeah, and they still have symbols for the buttons <laughs> that's okay and i mean I, they're all still backwards from what nintendo is the b and the a are in the wrong spots but it's true it's like, true and the x like i love backwards cross, compatibility um i loved like that nintendo was doing it with like you know the gamecube to the wii the wii to the wii u i like that playstation was in on backwards compatibility until the four came up and that's one of the things one of the reasons i stuck with playstation is like you know, I got the PlayStation 3 before the 360 because I could play my PlayStation 2 games on it that I hadn't got to. And then they were like, no, you know what? Nobody else is doing it. Everybody thinks it's dumb, so they quit. And then Xbox, they kind of like 
looked at it and they're like, oh, let's just jump in over here where Sony gave up. And then that's where it's like Xbox started interested in being more and more interesting to me, at least, is like, oh, I can play my 360 games on there now and some of my original Xbox games. So now that I find it just amusing that we've come full circle and now both sets of consoles are talking about going backwards compatible, which is what Sony was doing from the beginning anyway. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're going backwards compatible, but the Switch... I guess I could, the only way I can see the Switch being backwards compatible is if they only went to a Switch Pro. Mm. It'd be nice if we could, I don't know, have more integration, more backwards compatibility, but I mean, you just inherently run into a problem because they have not consistently used the same type of media or even the, the same size. Well, no, so obviously what they need to do is just come up with dock attachments like they used to do. Like, you know, your Super Nintendo had the Game Boy attachment. Your GameCube had the Game Boy Advance attachment. We just need something to attach to the dock to throw in, like, GameCube and Wii U discs. Well, <laughs> Trash Turkey, uh, in one of your episodes last year, uh, I think it was last year, was talking about what he would like to see is a little thing that you could uh, plug into the, the Switch cartridge slot that would allow you to then put, put in, like, a, a DS game. Or a Game Boy Advance game, or a Game Boy game. So it, it looks kind of weird. Like as I was picturing it, picturing it just sticking out of the top of your Switch. But if you do that, it's like you know what? I can just put this Game Boy Advance game in it. I mean, that'd be fantastic. I, I mean, of course, it would never happen because it's a good idea. But we can dream. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I, this is this might be the first generation where they haven't had any backwards compatibility. Like even if you look at the 3DS, you could play DS games on it. The original DSs, you could play Game Boy Advance games on them. So they usually built in some sort of, you know, previous gen ability to their next handheld, to their next console. So this is really the first one they didn't. And I think it's because, or, you know, they're thinking like, oh, you know what, we can do the virtual console, even though it hasn't come true yet. Or maybe remasters or remakes and ports and all this other stuff, but... This is really the first time that Nintendo hasn't, that at least that I'm aware of, had any type of backwards compatibility. Right, other than trying to resell all their Wii U games that didn't, you know, that didn't get played by the previous generation. <laughs> yeah, but it's working. So it is true. Everybody abandoned the Wii U, and now everybody's buying the games that came out for it, being like, man, that must have been That's a good nice. console, because these games are so much fun. Well, there were, I'm not to, be, to be fair, there were only about 16 million people that abandoned the Wii U console. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right. So, well, you consider a game like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and the fact that it consistently tops the charts on bestsellers for Nintendo Switch, and that game was a Wii U uh, port with all the DLC, and they haven't changed very much, if anything, from that DLC port. And it just goes to show that, I mean... They're they're on the right track with that. Yeah, and I mean I've uh, so recently hooked up the Wii U and started playing Mario Kart 8, and then uh, we picked up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So I had a a, a side by side comparison of what each of them looked like, and honestly, the Switch version is quite impressive. I mean, they bumped up the the FPS to 60, I think, and a more consistent. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, resolution? I think that the Wii U one kind of wavered between 720 and 
maybe like 960 or something like that. But this is like a consistent 1080p, 60 frames per second. It makes a big difference. I will never do the side-by-side comparison, but I'm glad somebody did. (laughs) I actually played Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U when I went back to visit my family last summer. And my um, 13-year-old niece, who I guess plays a lot of that game, she beat me. I'm like, this is this is not right. But I think one of the things that threw me off is that on Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, they only allow for single items. There was no double items. And so I'm like, I'm so used to having two items. What's going on? Oh. And so, mm-hmm. and of course, she also was using the Wii U gamepad, and I was stuck using like a Wii remote. <laughs> oh, so it's not really the it. same. I'll do it. <laughs> Everybody should have to play with the Wii remote. Um, <laughs> so I know, or we're... nobody should have to play with the Wii remote. Right. <laughs> yeah, but if if you guys listen, last year or the year before, Trash Turkey was playing Wii games on his Wii U with the remotes. That guy there has dedication sounds... to the business. It is true. It is true. Yeah, he's still playing 3DS games. Uh, shouldn't we all be though? Um... Yeah. Yeah. 3DS has a fantastic library of games, especially if you're a fan of the JRPG. So, yes, we should all be playing with 3DS. Right. And, I mean, I will admit I did pick up that uh, new 2DS XL. That thing is really nice. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I know we veered off, but that's pretty much all of my topic. Did either of you guys, <laughs> any of you guys have anything we wanted to discuss? Well, I've got a special letter that I wanted to read. Ooh, is it the love letter or- you wrote me? <laughs> no, no, that one is. Um, I'm still. It's going through some edits. <laughs> <laughs> still yeah, starts, had, dear had my, John. Yeah, I had my wife look over it, and she goes, "Is this to me or to somebody else?" I said, "You know what? Never mind. I'll have someone else look at it." <laughs> <laughs> so I'd mentioned that there was a lovely letter to the editor. I don't know if this is a good time to read it or not. It's Get always your... a good time. Okay, so. A few months ago, I was going through and reorganizing all of my video game magazines, putting them in order like you should. And I just now read them. So, like, from time to time, just pick them up and read them. And so this letter just cracked me up. Here it goes. What is this? You're always putting Sega down. Why is this? I'm really ticked off. Every Genesis game usually gets poor ratings. I saw the ratings for World Series Baseball. Eight, seven, eight, seven. Six? That really made me mad. It should have at least gotten straight eights. Do you really want to know what makes me mad? The ad for the Super NES smashing. It asks which system has a European porcupine, Sonic, for a mascot. What in the, rhymes with fell, kind of question is that? That porcupine could rip Mario to shreds. And the ratings for Street Fighter II Championship Edition for Genesis are all wrong. My brother has the game, and just because it doesn't have the color and sound the Super NES has, doesn't mean it's a bad game. That ticks me off. The control is excellent, and the moves are easy to do. And unlike the Super NES, you don't have to do a trick to get ten stars, and it has a group battle. And every kid I know has a Genesis. And at least Genesis has a rating system and blood on their games instead of sweat like on the Super NES. The sales are 63% Sega, 37% Super NES. Oh, and in issue 58, the new Game Boy is a stupid idea. Because if you own a different system besides Super NES, how's it going to work? I own a Genesis and a Game Boy, and I will not spend money to go and buy Super NES and a new Game Boy. And which system has a CD? Genesis. I'm sorry, but Genesis is the better system. Oh, 
And do you know when the Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is supposed to be out? <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That wow. was a little on the crazy side there. Yeah, it's a doozy. Yeah, I like just it. a little bit. So that's, it's interesting that uh, someone would have such passion for a terrible console. Whoa, you're, you're calling the Genesis <laughs> a terrible console? <laughs> I mean, obviously yeah. they were wrong, but... <laughs> I don't I I don't know how to respond to it honestly. Did 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 the editor editor write back to them? I'm curious. Oh yeah, they 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 responded. It was, you know, first off, a reviewer's opinion is another person's opinion of the game. Yours obviously differs, and that's fine. The Genesis version of Street Fighter II Turbo Championship Edition got three eights and a nine in the November '93 issue. The blood argument will soon be irrelevant because both systems have it in Mortal Kombat 2. Your sales figures are a bit messed up, and you know they just kind of. Go on there. It's just it's kind of silly. <laughs> um, and what issue was this again? Oh, this was issue number 61 of Electronic Gaming Monthly. Um, but I think an even better one was a person who said they were done with Super Nintendo and they're going to put all their money on the Atari Jaguar because clearly it's better. Yeah. <laughs> They've went so far as to take their Super Nintendo and completely destroy it with like a sledgehammer. And wow. like they're like, uh. <laughs> it seems yeah, like it, they definitely had the right idea. Oh, the last paragraph was by Atari. Quite simply, they are the best. An editor, why is EGM number 54 the only issue with a jag on the top of your front cover? Better put it back to let people know you guys support the jag. <laughs> and so just, did either, just, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so did you, either of you see that uh, eventually the molds for the, the Atari Jaguar were used in medical equipment. So they... I, <laughs> so I don't know if they lost the the uh, patents or something like that, or the patents were bought or something, but uh, some medical company bought the, um, the molds for the Atari Jaguar and manufactured... I think it was like the, the holders for stethoscopes and things like that that you would put in a doctor's office for checkups. <laughs> What an interesting and bizarre use of such a different product, I guess. I know. I mean, it was... I never imagined using it for something like that. I know. It, it's it's funny, too, because I think the cartridge slot, which I, I think it's slotted at the, the back side, was also used for something like that. I don't know what. I can't remember what it was, but there was an interesting video somewhere where they discussed this. Well, you know, and maybe this guy was right. I mean, maybe we all should have backed Atari instead of Nintendo because, I mean, now Atari has hotels. That's right. Yep. I hear ones uh, being built around my area as well. <laughs> Your area well, think... and my area. That's oh, yeah. true. That is true. Though the first one's supposed to be built in Phoenix, I think, that's Arizona. What, yep. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I want to know where Atari randomly started coming up with all this money that they decided that hotels was the way to go. I mean, it's all those Atari coins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they said, hey, you know, Nintendo had some hotels um, back in the 60s or 70s. Maybe we should try giving yeah. it a go, too. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it worked the Atari out love hotel. Those may have been different hotels than Nintendo was doing. Yes. Yeah, it was the less wholesome Nintendo, which they're kind of evolving into anyway. So, 
No, Nintendo's wholesome. They're just allowing less wholesome <laughs> stuff on their system now. Right, that's true. Like, like Night Trap. Like uh, Night Trap. <laughs> yes, but Night Trap went everywhere. It's no longer as uh, scandalous as it was when it first was released. But back in the no. 90s, I think it was Howard Lincoln said, Night Trap will never appear on a Nintendo console. Yes, but nobody knows who he is anymore, so it's okay. <laughs> so while I was gone, we... uh. We, we touched on Atari. We had a letter to the editor. Anything else we that sure I missed? Did. No? That was it. No, don't think so. Uh, uh, Atari medical equipment. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did uh, anybody else have a topic before we bring up, you know, kind of like the focal point of this episode? I think Mike had something. You know... With it being February and the definitive month of love, I thought it would be a fantastic idea for each of us to take a turn discussing the impact that gaming has had on us and somebody else in our lives in, in a significant way. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, share the first story of a time that, that gaming really impacted and changed my life in a positive way um, because, I mean, a lot of people, they see gaming as a very isolating experience. And I think, I mean, this podcast in general is just a representation of how that's not true. But I think it's important to share the the moments that uh, help prove that, that is very much not the case. So um, I have three children. Uh, my oldest is not mine by biologically per se, but his biological father is out of the picture. When we first were starting to bond, it was over video games, but he had not had much experience with them at all. My, at that time, future or at the time, girlfriend who turned out to be my wife um, had not introduced very many. It was like this little orange plastic box with these square cartridges that are like learning games is what he had for a console. So everything was terrible. So he wasn't very interested in gaming at the time. Well, I introduced him to uh, the concept of the Mario Brothers. And after the first six months of us being a family and working on that dynamic, he decided that for Halloween, he wanted to be Luigi. So I decided that naturally I would be Mario to his Luigi. Now, this was before uh, the Mario and Luigi like costumes were very prevalent. You couldn't find them in every single store. So we had to go out and piece together these costumes. So it was quite the process to find overalls that fit both what must have been seven-year-old him and adult me, including overalls and the appropriate colored shirts, boots, hats. We had to make our own mustaches out of uh, felt pieces. And that year was the coolest year for Halloween especially for him, because as we were trick-or-treating, every other kid that we saw 
recognized us and got so excited. Oh, there's Mario. Oh, look, there's Luigi. And it was the coolest thing ever for him. And as a result, we were able to bond and become uh, closer to a father and son dynamic because we had that shared experience. And as a result, my now 18-year-old son is one of my best friends. And I talk to him about life and gaming in ways that uh, a lot of other people, I assume, would be envious of because – I can't tell you the number of people who tell me that teenagers are completely insufferable and you can't talk to them. But oh, by the way, teenagers not how are it is very insufferable and you can't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I have uh, talked long enough, how about uh, how about Patrick? You share a story. Sure, sure. So I've always been a gamer. So since I've been very young, I think my first console, NES, my grandparents. They, so we lived in Canada. Um, my grandparents would always take trips to Florida, and they brought home the NES. So I've been a gamer since then. And when I thought of having a child, I always thought that I would like him or her to also share my passion for video games. And um, so when my son was born, I would always try to introduce him to the games that I'm playing, even though he wouldn't be able to play them. He'd be in his little bouncy chair or something, just kind of watching me play. And I think the first time that it ever clicked for him was also Mario. And we were playing Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. Uh, and I think it's just the, the colors and the spectacle of it, the music, uh, the fact that, uh, I don't know, that Mario, he celebrates every time he achieves something. And you could just see him light up every time he sees him doing the spin or finding Yoshi in two. And I can't tell you how many times I've completed both of those games uh, in sequence <laughs> because of that. But yeah, and now to this day, he's, uh, yeah, he absolutely loves Nintendo and Mario, Luigi, everything. Yeah, it's funny because I always wanted to, I always wanted my kids to like video gaming as well. Because, like, I grew up and my parents weren't into it. And I, you know, you have from friends or something like that. But, uh, and then they started taking my controllers and my TV time. And I'm like, man, if only they had some better hobbies. Like, that way dad could play. But, like, <laughs> um, with Jacob, I think the game that, you know, really kind of got him into video games was he was watching me play uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 on the 3DS. And he just really thought it was kind of cool, and he kept wanting to watch me play it. And then, oddly enough, that led me to um, hunting down the old Ghostbusters cartoons on Netflix, and then he started watching that. And then we started watching the Ghostbusters movies, and it was just like he was into like all of that lore, just anything with like ghosts. So we started watching the, uh, the new Ghostbusters movie, the one with all the chicks that came out that everybody seemed to hate. And like we loved it. Like He thought it was hilarious. He loves Slimer. Dad, why Slimer do that? Dad, where's Slimer going? Just all the time talking about <laughs> Slimer. Like, we would be doing random stuff. And, Dad, do you remember when Slimer did this? And so, like, you know, I just love the fact that, you know, it started with a video game. And then it got to bridge to other, like, things. Like, Ghostbusters cartoon and the movies. And, you know, and now it's like, 
he pretty much plays some video games every day and he wants me to play and like we beat one of the lego games this year um today i got him into the incredibles movies because he's been playing the incredibles lego game you know he got that for his birthday on his tendo switch so now that he's <laughs> playing the lego game he's okay watching the movies whereas before he was like ah that looks stupid but when he can relate it to something else he's doing you know all of a sudden there's a lot more interest there so um i like that and you know similar to mike's story about bonding with uh the uh the insufferable teenager like with my wife's first kid like we bonded over halloween but we both dressed up as deadpool which was kind of a unique experience and then we would go out and people would be like dude let me get our pictures taken with you and you know so that was really cool so i've got some like great pictures of like him and i both dressed up as deadpool the first real halloween that we went out and now he's an insufferable teenager no matter what mike says <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, yeah, no, at least me. Uh, well, you know, I guess like Patrick and probably all of you, I've been gaming for a very long time. Started back on the Commodore 64 and the Mattel and television. And that was back whenever my parents would actually play games with us. Like I remember playing games like Astro Smash or Utopia, um, Jumpman on the Commodore 64. And my parents were right there along playing with us. Um, and that stopped once we got the NES because all of a sudden the control pad was on the left. And since my parents were right-handed, they were like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, well, then we, we just kind of lost them. But it was like fun for that moment that we were all, like all of us were playing. My brother, my older brother, older sister, we would all be playing games, taking turns. Um, and amazingly, out of all of us, I was the only one that really kind of kept up with it. And except for a few years in college, I've always been a gamer. And now with kids, we've had a lot of times where it's, you know, we're gaming together. Like even in the past few weeks after supper, we say, hey, let's all play Smash. Well, let's all play Mario Kart 8. And it's just, it's a blast, especially when you can do things on the same team. Because when we're competitive and against each other, it gets really vicious. Kind of going back to the insufferable teen bit that you're talking about. Um <laughs> When we get to play on teams, it's great. We have a, a lot of fun. Uh, when there's a Nintendo Direct, I try to save watching that until my son comes home and says, hey, let's sit down, let's watch the Direct together so we can all freak out about this stuff. And I try to make sure that I don't see it and he doesn't see it and we can just experience it you know, brand new. And we can have conversations about video games that I guess when I got to be a teenager, I wasn't having those conversations with my parents. Like I said before, they would indulge me in certain things like with video game subscriptions or let me even play video games. But it wasn't anything that was part of our normal conversation. Like with my kids, I'm like, hey, you know, the, the Cuphead DLC for uh, Smash dropped. And you know what? Let, let's get that. 75 cents. We can totally do that. And so once it came out, we did that. So he was thrilled to play his Cuphead and I can watch him play that. We just have a conversation and really connect and bond over it. So um, that's one of the big things that we that we have in our family. That's awesome. Um, I I would love to get to the point where um, I can play and discuss video games with my teen. But he, I don't know. He's he's into the games I'm not into anymore. So there's like that gap where you know I kind of keep up enough 
and I take his systems away enough because he's doing something wrong and, you know, I'm the bad guy or whatever, but, you know, I believe in discipline and if you're going to act a certain way, you know, you have to have it. And But, you know, he he's, well, he wants to be into Fortnite, but that's been banned from our house. Um, you know, right now what he plays is like NBA 2K and FIFA and sports and sports and he wants to play Overwatch and Anthem or whatever those games are that are basically Fortnite but not Fortnite. So that's the kind of stuff he's into and like for me I'm not into the competitive scene. I'm not into you know like I outgrew sports games. I liked them when I was younger and they were more arcadey and I could have more fun with it but like the more realistic they get like the less in tune I am with them. I I don't like realism in my video games that's why i play like you know persona dating sims or atlas games or games where you capture little cute little animals and fight alongside of them you know i like i like the fantasy aspect and i like stepping out of reality i don't want to do a 360 slam dunk with you know lebron james and be like yeah that's what it's about so (laughs) um but i am trying to you know i'm trying to figure out a way to like you know, find some sort of, like, mutual ground where, you know, I can pretend to like the video games or I can try to talk to him about the ones he's into just so we can have that conversation because he's nowhere near into the stuff I'm into. So it's not like I can be like, oh, yeah, so I was uh, playing De- Devil Survivor the other day and he'd be like, uh, what was that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's a work in progress. Get in there slowly. <laughs> yeah. Ever since he grew out of Skylanders, we're just so out of touch with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's always going to be tough. Like, I know my son, he's obsessed with Minecraft and Roblox, which is, you know, typical for his age. He's seven right now. And I absolutely despise both of them. But, you know, I try my hardest to pretend that I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. And, but when he does. Uh, show interest in the games that I'm playing. Say, for example, Luigi's Mansion 3. He was absolutely enthralled by it. And that was wonderful because we could sit there and he would ask me to play it right. instead of me asking him if he'd like to come over and watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. So, without further ado, <laughs> we have, let's just consider it like, like all of that was the appetizers and this is the main course. The Backlog Busters. In February, maybe a little bit into March, you know, just in the near future, we're going to be having, you know, a community event, a community event like nobody else is having out there, something where we can get tens and tens of people, maybe even double digits, maybe five, five plus two, seven people. We are having (laughs) Mario Maker competitions, not really competitions, but we're going to be playing Mario Maker. And we're going to be sharing courses, and some of you might be streaming courses. And now, since we're old school, since we're backlogged, this is Mario Maker on the Wii U. We all have a copy of Mario Maker on the Wii U. And we're all kind of, sort of, designing. Some of us are taking our designs to, like, otherworldly levels where we have, like, sketches and paintings on the wall. And it looks like, you know, the Aztec Indians invaded (laughs) our house and have, like put down all the traps and others of us have a starting line and a finish line and maybe a couple of coins in between but (laughs) mario maker on the wii u that's what the backlog busters are all about right now 
how are your guys' yeah. courses coming along? Are we are we having fun with this? Is this a, you know, what if, what are your <laughs> thoughts and feelings so far? Other than the fact that um, Mike is evil, and I don't have the proper twitch skills to uh, <laughs> to jump, dodge, dive, hit a mushroom, jump into the air, hit my head on something, do a three sixty spin, and then kick my TV over because I'm frustrated. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Whereas I like yeah, yeah. So I saw Mike's was it your speedrun parkour level, and oh, by the way, Patrick, did you ever finish his level? I didn't. I'm still beating my face off of it. I'll tell you that much. Oh man, I, I watched the completion video just so you know, Mike, and I didn't realize it kept going. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you were blasting through that part there, and then like, there's like three more sections after it. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna watch any videos on it. I'm gonna keep, you know. <laughs> a couple minutes into it every single day and until I just completely despise Mike because that's what this is going to come to. We're going to have to, I'm like, I'm going to travel the globe and I'm going to go have like a fist fight, smack him upside his head and be like, what were you thinking? Um, but I apologize guys. I mean, what you have to understand is that I was a Mario maker day one adopter and I played it for three solid years. So I tried to make my course at least the one for this challenge, um, challenging, but also short. Uh, the one that Patrick is talking about, I, I tried to play with a brand new mechanic, which was jumping off of the uh, buzzy beetles in motion, which was, you know, you have to experiment and find out what's cool. And it gives you a ton of momentum. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Nobody else ever did it because it's very, very specific to the way that you have to do it. If you don't do that double wall jump first, it does not work. But, oh, really? Wow. Um, so I apologize for creating difficult levels. Um, if you were to go back and go through uh, old YouTube videos of streamers that I submitted levels to, I, I had somewhat of a reputation for submitting difficult levels regularly. Hmm. And uh, I've tried to tone it down. Uh, I know Patrick has played some of my uh, Mario Maker 2 levels, and, and yes. those aren't so uh, hair-pullingly difficult no probably like i I honestly i don't mind it i like i was never into mario maker i never got it um you know ryan sent me a copy of it at one point and that was like my first foray into it because i just i didn't play a whole lot of wii u and mario maker 2 came out and i just didn't have money for it so i kind of avoided it i always wanted to get it for like you know the levels that were built into it and everything but it just it never happened and i really like so far, the only stuff I have played is, you know, the levels you guys have submitted to us. And I find it so interesting, the things that can be done with Mario Maker. Um, like, Mike, your crazy hard level where you have to, like, time your jumps and make sure the mushroom's going at the right speed, at the right angle. And if you you don't jump and, like, twitch your nose and, like, wiggle your toes at the right time, you're dead and you curse. And... But, like, there's just so many interesting things that can be done. Like, even just a little bit of design that I've put into the level with whatever I'm unlocking, I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, interesting. I can do that. I can do that. And, like, playing Patrick's level where, you know, seeing it go from, like, conception on a page drawn out to, like, then, like, going through and playing it and being like, oh, I have to backtrack here because he thinks he's Metroid designer. You know, (laughs) go over here. Get the key. Go back over here. You know wear a funny hat, break a block. Like, it's just so interesting, like, the stuff that can be done with it. And 
I'm sad I didn't get into it earlier, but I honestly think that um, this is something that I'm going to have a lot of fun with in the next couple of months. And I'm really hoping, you know, I, I know we got some people out there that are listening that will play along with us, but I'm hoping that, you know, they submit some levels to us and they're willing to play ours because this is, this is really enjoyable and it's, it's kind of cool to go from, you know, what Turkey and I did, which was let's play a game and let's talk about it to like, actually, you know, we have like five of us right now that are kind of like playing all the same game at the same time on the side. And it's really enjoyable because we have that shared experience, which is something um, when you're only backlogging, you don't really have a whole lot of shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, it was like I played Axiom Verge at the same time as like Johnny Casino in Turkey. Um, and then I played The Messenger at the same time with Ryan and uh, Tony Baker. And it was like, but, you know, that might have been it. I don't play the new games when they come out, so I don't get any of that conversation. I get to listen to other people, and then when I finally start playing the game, I'm like, oh, this is what they were talking about. But I don't have a whole lot of those shared experiences where it's like we're all playing at the same time. So, like, I'm sending you guys messages, and you're sending me messages, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was interesting. Or, oh, Mike, I still hate you. Why did you make me die again? <laughs> but, like, like this is – it's – it's almost like back when I was in like high school and college and playing with my buddies. You know, the only time I would play is we'd all get together and we'd be sitting in the same room playing the same game. And that's what this feels like. And that's what it reminds me of because, it, you know, it's five of us all playing a similar game. And then we got these other games on the side that we're also doing. So, like, in that regard, this is super enjoyable. And I'm really hoping that, you know, a couple other people out there, um, I know that, who was it? Hungry Pup. You know, he basically said that because he listened to the thing I did for Quest for Pixels, where I talked about, you know, Mario Maker Wii U. So I think he was a little excited about being able to jump into that as well. So I'm enjoying it, and I am i don't remember how this came up or who started the conversation, but I'm glad that we're all <laughs> jumped into it, and, you know, everyone ended up with a game, and we're all playing it. So I'm really yeah. thankful for that. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is really cool. And like you, Serge, uh, it took me until now to adopt Mario Maker. And I've always been interested. I, I mean, I love the Mario games. And um, when I try, so when it comes to Mario Maker itself, playing it, I absolutely love. You know, I love testing other people's stages, seeing the, the things that they come up with, seeing how crazy they can get with the mechanics in that game. And just, it, it blows my mind, the understanding of how, like you're saying, Mike, that if you do the double wall jump onto the Buzzy Beetle, you'll get a huge amount of momentum so you can rocket across this pit of lava and then you throw the power block against the wall, the kill thing, and so on and so forth. I just think that's so cool. And then it inspires me to try to make a stage, and then I get in there and I get overwhelmed and just, you know, I put it down and play something else. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then I, then I think about it, I dream about it, I, I, you know, I set aside my work and like, I'm going to draw out a plan for a stage now to see if I can do something. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's nowhere near as creative as something that you might have created, but I had a lot of fun and um, I love seeing the experimentation with all these things. And at some point I want to talk to you, Mike, about how you come up with these things, how you go from con- concept to execution. I think that would be a fascinating uh, conversation. Executing Mike is a very 
fabulous conversation that we should all have. <laughs> now, now, hold on a second. Let <laughs> here. Let me just say that for one of the, the mid-month um, extras that we do for Backlog Busters. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yep. And we'll be that, sharing uh, trash those Turkey's not around here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe he's somewhere in Canada hiding in Sean Capri's backyard still. Canada. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, be on the lookout for uh, Wii U. We'll start when people are happy with their courses. We can start putting them out there to see if anybody wants to play them. Um, yeah. But other than uh, the Wii U Mario Maker stuff, what is what has everybody else been playing? Because I know myself, after beating Batman early in January, uh, my gaming time basically died. I beat like a chapter of Fire Emblem. I've put maybe 40 minutes into Hellblade today. And other than that, I haven't had any gaming time because of work. So I need you guys to tell me what have you been playing. Mike, what are you playing? Well, funny thing that you uh, started up Hellblade, because that was one of the games that I actually finished near the beginning of this month. Um, I don't know how much I want to dig into it, though, if it's something that you're playing. Oh, it doesn't bother uh, me. A game's a are game's you sure? Game. Oh, yeah, game's a game. Like, uh, you're a woman rowing a boat, you hear voices, crazy stuff happens, and you don't know what's reality. The game's been out long yes. enough. If I... If something gets spoiled, it's really my fault for not playing it earlier. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, my experience with Hellblade could be summed up into a single word, and that word is intense. The concept of having those voices in your head all throughout the experience, uh, P.S., you have to have headphones for that to work appropriately, but it adds to the uh environment the setting the the feel of the game so much to have that headset um it's absolutely amazing but what the game boils down to is you play as sinua um a norse uh warrior on a quest to find salvation for yourself and uh your lover uh, his name is Dillian. And what you come to find out later is that uh, Senua is carrying Dillian with her in a manner of speaking. And the goal is to find resolution to the struggles that she's having. So one of the things that I found interesting about this game is that uh, the difficulty is set to auto. So what that tells me is that this game has dynamic difficulty. So the better you do at the game as far as the combat is concerned, I assume the harder the game becomes. And I really like that as a feature because there are times towards the end of the game where the the battles got so intense that I had on the edge of my seat, beads of sweat coming down my face, dodging, dodging, striking, parrying and get the voice in the back of my head uh, behind you and I have to keep dodging, moving, rolling and I can only imagine that that must be what it's like to play Dark Souls or actually play a Dark Souls game don't even have any intention to do so but it was such an intense 
Don't give me that look. (laughs) (laughs) It was such an intense experience uh, playing it. Uh, But much like the level that I created for you guys, it's also a very short experience. I was able to finish this game in a weekend. Um, There's only a handful of bosses in the game, and they're based on like different... I want to say elements, basically. So one is based on, like, fire. So you go through his domain, and the the, the gimmick is uh, Sinua going through the flames and traveling through the flames to get to uh, the boss, who ultimately, like, unlocks the door, well, half of the door to the next area. And then the other, the other boss that you face near the beginning of the game, he is the boss of illusion. So as you're going through his area, you see lots of visual tricks and illusions. So like you'll you'll see him in the distance coming up, and you're you'll you'll be walking, and you'll pass a tree that blocks the vision of where he was. And when that happens, he switches from being him to being just like a a scarecrow or a figure of who he was, and it's not real. And additionally, in that section, they have these little portals you can walk through. You walk through the portal, and one feature in the environment changes. But it's not always easy to tell what that is when you walk through that portal. So it makes this real, surreal experience as you're exploring this area. And once you get past that, it combines... Uh, that type of puzzle solving to make the rest of the game that trippy kind of surreal experience. And I don't want to explain too much further than that because I don't want to completely spoil the game for you, Serge, because I think you're going to have a good time playing it. Um, Additionally, my wife started playing the game, and I know as soon as this podcast comes out, she's going to listen to every minute of it. So if I talk much more than this, she will have my head before you get a chance to search. So I'm going to stop there, but fantastic game. So two things. Fantastic. Um, I've already solicited your wife. She should be writing us a review after she beats the game. So we'll have a little. <laughs> She's thrilled. Yes. Beyond that, I polished off another game uh, this month, Mega Man 11. Uh, just the base game only. There's a ton of extras, but I did just like a single playthrough of it. Um, and I know Patrick's already played through this game, so hopefully he can help me fill in some of the blanks here because it was one of the first games I played. And as far as Mega Man games go, it has some unique features, but um, it's a Mega Man game. So it's not too standout. Like, for instance, I played through Mega Man 10 uh, towards the end of last year, and I cannot remember a single Robot Master from that game. I, I don't know. You ask me about Mega Man X, I can tell you all day. But regular Mega Man, it just doesn't stick with me for whatever reason. But this one has um, a unique system that helps it stand out from the older titles, uh, and that's the double gear system. So as Mega Man, you, from the beginning of the game, get access to the ability to either double your power or double your speed, which ends uh, made by slowing down everybody else. Uh, slows you down too at first, 
but you can get uh, I think it's an item in the shop that changes that so you can move at regular speed um, and if you're injured you can do both at the same time um, the thing to balance out this extra power that Mega Man can have is that it's on a limited amount of use so once that runs out uh, you can't use it for a while. But if you have the sense to turn it off before it runs out, you can kick it back in at any time, regardless of how much it's charged. Um, returning in this game uh, is Rush, both in his coil form and his jet form. So he's basically like a mobile spring you can use to skip lots and lots of stage hazards, or even more so the, the jet, which you can just fly over anything that bothers you, which you... Well, if you play like me, will be what you use in the, the Wily stages to get past the gear section. Because it's a nightmare trying to do it any other way. Um, beyond that, um, I think that this game does a better job of making the Robot Masters more relevant and memorable uh, than previous games in the standard Mega Man series have done, at least for me, like I can remember the Robot Masters from the original. They're just that iconic. But beyond that, I, I mean, I remember Metal Man from Mega Man 2 because best weapon in the game. But uh, in this one, the you have Lockman, which silly name, but kind of a cool power that he gives you that lets you drop blocks on the robots or like on the enemies' heads, and it's just this big area of effect attack so like i think in previous games you just shot forward or from Mega Man. this kind of materializes above an area and just falls so um much more unique weapon ability in that one which i think helps to make it more of an interesting experience and like i brought up the double gear system earlier if you use the power version of that it just drops more blocks, so you don't miss, um, which is a good thing. Uh, this game I found to be significantly easier than previous Mega Man games, uh, I think due to the double gear system. And I I guess it was easier to figure out what the boss order was. I, I don't know. Maybe you have thoughts on that, Patrick? Was the boss order easier for you to figure out? I would say uh, the way that the bosses were set up, it seemed obvious what their weaknesses would have been. Um, where I had the most trouble with the game was getting used to using the gear system. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved it. I loved the, I loved Mega Man 11, you know, wholesale. Uh, but I had kind of a chip on my shoulder <clears throat> with Kaiji Inafune's previous project, Mighty Number no. Nine. I was pleasantly surprised with that one. And once I got used to using the Power Gear system, I was blown through that game like you are saying. That truly does make the game a lot easier because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of traps where they expect you to use it. And if you're not, then uh, you'll, you're probably going to die. That's, that's what I found as well, is that if you weren't using it, you weren't making it. Um, especially on... Uh, the Yellow Devil, which I don't feel bad yeah. telling you is in the game because I feel like he's in every game. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would not have beaten him without Last Man's Power uh, as mm -hmm. uh, the 
power geared form. It just would not have happened. Uh, even with the speed gear, I found it difficult to dodge his uh, float across the screen while invisible, invincible attack. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I I tried to get into some of the the bonus content, but um, it just wasn't doing it for me. I, I couldn't do the the speed runs of the game, mm. which was like the first set of bonus content, and then well, I, I put it down and haven't gone back yet because I had ran out of storage space on my xbox one s it was the 500 gigabyte version um something i have since rectified because i spoiled myself this month and went out and bought a four terabyte um storage device so my current project is to get all of my physical games loaded onto the xbox one so i can play uh whenever i get the urge whichever game it is so that should make getting back to Mega Man 11 to take on those challenges a little bit easier. Yeah, I played Mega Man 11 probably the beginning of last year, or maybe it was the end of 2018. And yeah, I absolutely loved it. I tried to do some of the challenges as well. And I think it was in Mega Man 9 or 10, they had them in those two. And I really uh, went hard into the speedrun uh, aspect of it. And those are fun, but I didn't really get into it in 11. I'll definitely have to go back and try that, though. I have nothing to say. I haven't played a Mega Man game since 9, and I failed horribly at it. And I just I haven't been good at the Mega Man game since, I think, 3. Well, 3 is say, the best one, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> 3 is one I played a lot growing up. I had the original Mega Man and Mega Man 3, and I've never beaten a single Mega Man game. And they're just, they're okay. They just don't grab me like other platformers do. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked them when I was young, but it was just something that never stuck with me. I didn't I didn't stick with the series. I didn't do the X stuff. I just, it, it didn't stay with me. So it's one of those uh, missing experiences that I have. I think I was born with Mega Man lodged in my heart. <laughs> so uh, I was pointing to the wrong side. I'm sorry, my heart. Oh. It's next to the microphone. Right there. <laughs> wow. A tough running gun platform. I, I can't imagine why you would love that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I live and breathe it. So that's two of us. So what have you guys been playing, Ryan or Patrick? So. In January, I probably complete. I don't know how many I completed already. I think I'm I'm nearing ten, but what? <laughs> but uh, what I found that I've been focusing a lot on this month is arcade games, just mostly ports or uh, collections. Everything. I don't know. I'm just kind of in the mood to challenge myself with high scores and things like that. So that's what I've been focusing on, and it's probably me coming off of the. RGB high score challenges from the past couple months, but um, I was still kind of craving that challenge. So I've been focusing on uh, a ton of arcade games, and one of the series I've really been enjoying is the Metal Slug series. And in particular, I've been I've played through already one through three, and then X, which X was kind of a remix of two, where they took some of the bosses from both 1 and 2 and mixed them up and made the game more difficult. 
And I think they even built it on the engine that they would eventually release Metal Gear, Metal, Metal Gear, Metal Slug 3 on. So it was no longer suffering from the slowdown and everything that you found in 2, which was really nice. But I still think I probably preferred 2, but anyway. Uh, and then recently I finished Metal Slug 3, which is probably my favorite so far. What I found the most intriguing about 3 was that the pacing was, uh, it seemed so much better, so much more fluid. Like all the stages went together and they had uh, amazing and epic bosses to fight at the end. And it had branching paths, which was really nice. So you could it added replayability to the game when you're trying to get that high score. Because certain paths would give you higher scores, but they would last longer, so it was more likely that you would die. And then you had to kind of balance which ways you wanted to go based on how far you wanted to get into the game. (laughs) Um, And then it's without saying that really the Metal Slug games kind of set the bar for 2D sprite animation. And, I mean, the details and the fluidity of the animations in those games are just, you know... They're matched by no other game that I know of, anyway. At least in the 2D realm. Uh, sound effects-wise, it's you know it's your typical kind of early 90s chiptune kind of stuff. But yeah, I really enjoyed the Metal Slug games, and I'm planning on trying to finish all of them. The biggest problem with that is that currently the uh, hamster, the ones that are doing the ports for the Neo Geo games. Uh, in their arcade classics archives or whatever it's called, they go up to five and that's it. So they're missing six and seven. And I'm either going to have to import six if I want to play it on the PS2 or something or buy the anthology collection, which I think is available on the PS4 right now. And that has six, but then seven is still missing, which I think is only available on the DS right now. Or if I... I don't even think there's uh, an arcade port of it. But, um, yeah, Mel Slug, absolutely obsessed with that right now. <laughs> um, next to that, I've also been playing the Psycho Shooting Stars Alpha game, which was recently released by uh, Nice America. And they're going to be releasing a Bravo version as well, which has six other games. But the one that I was playing had uh, Strikers 1945, 1 through 3, uh, Soul Divide, Dragon Blaze, and Zero Gunner 2. And Psycho was kind of in the early to late 90s. They were kind of known for their vertical shoot-em-ups uh, primarily. And uh, this had a lot of them, ranging from when they started in 92 to when they uh, closed their doors in the early 2000s. Um, 1945 series was kind of your typical vertical scrolling World War II shoot 'em up. It had a lot of the things that you would expect to find in a shoot 'em up of that time, um, but nothing really special. So they didn't do anything that was too outstanding. And then uh, Zero Gunner 2 was a little different because this one was actually released on the Dreamcast, and it had a strange pivoting system so it's like a bird's eye view of your helicopter or whatever it was that you're flying i can't remember and you had to hold the r and l buttons to pivot around this target in order to aim and shoot so not only did you have to pay attention to where enemies were coming from and attacking you also had to worry about which way do i have to press to 
to turn my ship on this pivot point to point and shoot at them. And it was it was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last two were Soul Divide and Dragon Blaze, which I think were the standouts of the collection. And so and they're kind of a fantasy theme um, on the shoot 'em up genre. And I really enjoyed it. Soul Divide was kind of a soul, side scroller. Had uh, like a legendary wings, if any of you know that game. I uh, actually have a copy of Legendary Rings ling, Wings in my glove box. <laughs> Do in my you? Car. Yes. It's That's a really a good weird one. spot so... to have one, but it was one of my favorite <laughs> games growing up, and uh, I found it at a retro store like last year sometime. Yeah. So I bought it and threw it in there, and I just keep forgetting to bring it into the house. But yes, <laughs> I have a copy of that. Yeah, so you know the the parts in the game where it goes to the side scroller and you got the guy with the wings and everything. Yeah, that's kind of what Soul Divide is like. Except in this one, you get magic that you can unleash on the enemies, and there's even melee attacks, which is kind of weird for a shoot 'em up. And then finally, Dragon Blaze was kind of like a fantasy skinned uh, Strikers 1945 game, only with more bullet hell uh, aspects, which is kind of my nom de plume. I love the bullet hell. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. So that was my absolute. That was absolute my my absolute favorite of the collection, and uh, like I said, it's it's been all about arcade games this month, uh, other than me playing Death Stranding. But I could I could go on forever about that game, and I'm gonna wait until I finish it to really talk about it. But yeah, and Bravo, like I said, Bravo, uh, Psycho Shooting Stars, Bravo is coming out I think in a couple weeks. And that's going to come with a few more uh, must-have shoot-em-ups, at least in my book. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that's it. That's what I've been playing this month. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing a lot more, but I thought I'd, you know, I'd restrain myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that leaves me. And uh, I've been playing quite a variety, trying to stream on Twitch just to try to at least touch some of the games on the backlog. Um, I'll throw out some quick hits for you. Um, there's a game I bought for eight cents called Mad Age and, uh, this guy. And for eight cents, it was pretty good. Uh, interesting, like three quarters overhead perspective where you have to go around and beat some monsters in this steampunk world, uh, collect all the parts to a machine for the level and then get to the exit without dying. Um, you know, pretty good. I need to go back and finish that, but the game and my save data is on a different switch than the one I typically am playing on. I uh, tried playing Saturday morning RPG, thought it was going to be really good. But if I kept playing the game, I found out that I was probably going to completely destroy my controller because there was a lot of button mashing very quickly. And at the beginning of each battle, you can scratch your scratch and sniff stickers that are affixed to your trapper keeper so that you gain certain abilities, whether it's extra HP or extra speed or defense. But you have to rotate the left control stick. I'm like, man, we already have drift issues. I don't need to add to that. So after streaming that one, I just said, you know what? Even though I got it on sale, I probably didn't get my money's worth out of it. I'm just going to put that aside for right now. Um, play a little bit of Owlboy, which I will go back to because I really like the look of that one. Played a little bit of Horizon Chase Turbo because I've heard a lot of people saying really good things about that. Um, I'll get back to it. It's... For those of you who have ever played something like um, uh, Outrun, it has that kind of aesthetic but kind of ramped up to be more modern. Um, it's okay. Um, just 
again, probably need to put more time into it. Uh, but speaking of putting more time into things, I did play some Tetris 99 here and there, which was really good. After putting it away for a few months, got back in, first game, got third place. So I'll take that. Um, I mean, my highest was first place. So I did that one time a long time ago before people started getting good. So I'll hold on to that one. I <laughs> uh, played a little more Dragon <laughs> Quest 11S. Still have not probably gotten beyond what's in the demo, but I have the game physically. And I finished a big project at work and said, all right, this is my reward. I'm actually going to be able to play it now. So played a little bit of that. Enjoyed it so far. I still have to get used to uh, some of the the camera controls. I uh, start to get a little issues with vertigo uh, whenever I'm playing that. Just kind of making me sick. I don't know why. I didn't have any problems with Breath of the Wild, but I did with like Mario Odyssey and now this game. And I know that I can play some of it in this like in a more like 16-bit 2D world. Um, well, that was kind of weird, though, because if you try to switch between the 3D and the 2D, you have to do it at a safe place, you know, at a cathedral. But then it doesn't start you right back at that exact same spot as you make the transition. Because I did that one time. It kicked me all the way back to the beginning of the chapter. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I don't think doing the 2D stuff is going to be my cup of tea. I'm curious about the 2D and 3D switches in Dragon Quest XI. Right. So when you're in the 2D version of the game, do you find that it takes away from kind of, I guess, the the atmosphere of the game at all? It's a different type of atmosphere. So if you're used to your traditional type of RPGs that were on the NES and Super Nintendo, it, it'll it'll fit. Like it, it's going to be just what you would expect. But since I started playing the demo, which only has the 3D mode, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something. Because when you do the 3D mode and you're in the initial village where you're from, you can climb on the roof of a building. Um, you're climbing up ladders. You find these hidden items. And the way it's presented in the 2D world is just a little bit different. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm not mm-hmm. being able to see the full building. And for that reason, I think I'm probably going to stick to the 3D world. Although I do like the random encounters with enemies. Because in the 3D world, you can see the enemies. And you can just walk around them if you want to. Or you can kind of sneak up on them and try to, you know, get a couple of, you know, HP reductions on them. So I, I'll probably stick with the 3D stuff. But I mean, the, the 2D was really nice. I mean, it's, I think it's prettier than what you would see in a 16-bit game. But it's still, yeah, a 16-bit aesthetic. Right. That was kind of my my concern with it, is that I I like the you know the 16-bit era RPGs, but when you get used to, I guess being able to immerse yourself in this RPG world, which 3D does a much better job of. I mean, you know, we, we like you were saying, we can see all the details in the building instead of it being a top-down. You kind of see the, say you're in a church, you see the pews, things like that, whatever. But in 3D, you can look up and it's all the, you know, stained glass windows and the everything. Yeah. I think, like, the reason I try to switch over to the 2D is because I wanted to see what it would be like. And I did it in the first, like, the major town that you get to. It's a big city. And again, the camera was making me sick. You may be able to understand the map a little bit better because I have a little bit of an issue with orientation. Like, okay. Where was I? Where am I supposed to be going? But in a TV environment, it's 
I'm not going to have to worry about that. But when I tried switching over to the 2D, it started me at the very beginning of the game, at the very beginning of the chapter. So I had to go through climbing the mountain at the very beginning with this companion that they give you and saving this boy from some little enemy and then going back into the town to see your mom before you, you go to the first city. And, like, and it just, it just threw me off. I didn't want to do that just to, you know, walk around the city in a 2D environment. I thought it'd be a little bit more seamless. So that was, right. that's kind of disappointing, but you know, I guess just is what it is. Right. Would you ever consider replaying it in only the 2D mode? Uh, yeah. You know, I think I could do that. If I start off with that and saying this is the only way that I'm going to see it, yeah, that's fine. Uh, one benefit, though, is that when you switch to 2D or 3D, you get to keep all of the items that you already have. So if I collected a few extra items that were hanging out on the top of some villager's roof, well, I get to keep all that. I get to keep all my levels. Um, mm. But I did... You have to create a different save slot. Or you could save over what you've already done. And I went, you know what? I'm just test, I'm just testing this out. I don't want to save over my progress and then be, you know, completely messed up. Yeah. yeah. But, it's interesting though. Yeah. Uh, another game I've been plugging away at is Pacross S. Um, just neat little puzzle, puzzle game, easy game to just chill out with, you know, a few minutes for each puzzle and just, you know, you can stop whenever you want to. Um, I find it very relaxing. Until I get to the very end, I realize I've made a mistake. And so I got to figure out which block was I supposed to fill in, which one was not. <laughs> um, and then the last big game that I've been playing is Stardew Valley. I'm a bit late to the party on that. And I'd heard a lot of people were talking about how many hours and hundreds of hours they've put into the game. And I can understand why. I think since I just started it maybe a week ago, already have about eight hours in and I, I want to get back to it. I really wanted to, but you know, we're podcasting right now, so I'm not picking up my <laughs> switch to play it. Um, I, my focus right now is to see how deep into the mine I can go. I'm trying to get my resources. I, my farm is not like you see in the pictures. Like when you go into the eShop and you see, here's the dip, here's the like one and a half minute video of what the game's about. And you see this perfectly manicured farm and animals and all this stuff. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. That's not the way it is. <laughs> like you really got to work. You got to build up to that. Like I've got rocks in my, in my farm. I've got brush. I've got logs. I've got trees everywhere that I don't want. I have no money. I have no relationships. Nobody in the town cares about me. I'm saying here, here's a present. They go, this sucks. I don't even know you. I went to a dance. Will you dance with me? Ew, gross. Will you dance with me? I don't think so. I'm like, okay, so this is junior high and high school all over again. And then the dance started, and I'm just standing there on the side, like in junior high, watching everybody else have a good time. And then I went back home, alone, just like high school. <laughs> and so I'm going to get back in. I'm, I'm going to find... I'm going to find the person who's right for me. I'm going to find that digital wife and we're going to be happy and we're, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. She's going to love you even though your farm is full of brush and rocks. Oh, see, I'm going to, no, I'm going to work on that. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to make her love me. No, no, that sounds forced. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that 
You know, you know what the best thing is about that game is that I have a dog in the game, and that dog looks just like my dog, and that dog loves me. When I go home at night, it's sleeping on the rug in my house, and it's just happy that I'm there. I'm like, you know what? Thanks for being here. <laughs> Sounds like a phenomenal experience. So, have you guys ever played Stardew Valley? I've, no. I've put a couple hours into it, and I see how it can be one of those games that people would play a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I I got sidetracked. I was like, oh, well, I need to go fishing. I need a better fishing pole. I need a better fishing net. I need all this. Okay, I have to walk to the other side of the town. Now I have to get back in time so that I can sleep, and I still have to chop down a couple of trees and dig up a couple of rocks. And then I need to plant these plants, and okay, this plant didn't really make me a whole lot of money, but I've got a bunch of seeds now, so let me harvest these plants and plant something else. Now i got to go buy some more seeds. And it is exactly what people wanted it to be when it came out, which was an Animal Crossing holdover, where it's a game that you can sink a lot of time into. You can play for a, you know, you can have long sessions where you're playing multiple days or, you know, a couple weeks at a time. Or you can make it a, you know what, I'm going to do one day when I'm going to bed. I'm just going to lay down and I'm going to play for 10 minutes and do a day. And then tomorrow night I'm going to play for 10 minutes and do a day. And, you know, you can put a little bit of time into it. You can put a lot of time into it. And it's just a nice, relaxing game that built in a lot of, you know, heart and design to it. Like, there's... There's almost I don't know how to explain it, but there I remember there being this like creepy like haunted house thing where you're supposed to go in there and find some sort of like I don't know rats that are hiding or ghosts or something, and, right? And it's just like there's a lot of like little quirks to it where you know it's it's a farming dating simulator, but then there's like some weird magic on the side, and you know you could tell that it fits on a Nintendo console. Because it just has a lot of charm to it that, you know, a lot of games don't have when you're looking at, like, other systems. It just, like, you know, when you're playing Luigi's Mansion and he sucks up a ghost and he does the little dance. He's like, woohoo! You know, like, Stardew Valley has a lot of those little charms into it. You know, it's... I liked what I played with it, but at the same time, I realized that if I kept going, I might not play anything else for a while. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of those games I'm finding that you know, like one of my favorite games of all time is Civilization Five, and I got sucked into the trap of one more turn. Mm-hmm. And after that turn, something would pop up, say, like, "Oh, well, now I've got a new building, or I've got a new military unit. You know what? I just want to do one. I just want to see some just one more turn." And Stardew Valley has that same kind of thing. You know what? One more day. Yeah, I want one more day so I can go deeper into the mine. You know, one more day. Because my crops are about to you know, produce at the end. I just you know, one more day because there's something else I want to do on my farm. Um, and like you were saying, uh, Serge, there are some story type elements I haven't really gotten into it. Like I've just started. Uh, it's just started being summer, but it's it is, it's the, those short little bursts, and that's how it just how it grabs you. And I think going back to what we talked about in the January episode. You know, what's my game of the year? Like, this wasn't even on my radar. And right now, it's the front runner. <laughs> but we'll see what happens once Animal Crossing comes out. Yeah, so so speaking of that one more turn, one more, one more thing, um, 
I, like I said, I, I played Batman, I beat it, and I thought, I'm getting a jump on, you know, everything I want to do this year. I'm going to be like, you know, neck deep into my next game, which Alien Isolation won the poll. I'm very surprised about that, but... You know, I was like, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put a den in there. I'll get like five or six hours into it. And and then, you know, work is crazy right now. So by the time I get home, I've been exhausted. And I haven't even taken my Switch to work in the last week and a half, two weeks. Normally, I like to play a little bit on my lunch break, but I haven't even taken it to work because I know it's just like I need that hour to just eat a little bit and veg like, I need to relax my mind. I don't want to play games. By the time I get home, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. So, the only thing I've been playing are stupid little phone games. And it's really bugging me. And I'm about to just go through my phone and delete them all so that I stop playing them. Now, the first one that I'm going to talk about, and and this is all kind of like into the what are we playing, but like, what are we going to be playing segment? Like... I'm going to be playing more Fire Emblem. I'm going to play Alien Isolation. But I can't stop playing these stupid phone games. So, <laughs> the one I've been playing the longest, and I've, I've really been putting time into this one probably for the last, like, five years or so. And it's on and off, but I play it with friends back home, and that's Clash of Clans. So, it's just one of those things where it's, like, quick, you can go in there, play for a few minutes, do a war, collect some resources, be happy about life, and move on. But... The other one that I started playing because of Joseph Moran, Mr. Badbit, him and his trophy room trying to get a stupid trophy for Goat Simulator on the PS4, and he brought up the fact that there's a Flappy Bird thing in there. And I loved Flappy Bird when it came out. I played, let's say, way too much Flappy Bird when it came out. You know, my high score at the time on the first phone where I had it was like multiple hundreds of flaps. And... So he brings it up in this podcast, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, Flappy Bird. I have that on my phone because I move it to every phone that I have, especially after the guy who made the game discontinued it. So I'm like, I'm going to play this. Next thing you know, I lost two lunch periods doing nothing but playing Flappy Bird. I'm like, oh, I'm done eating. Let me just play Flappy Bird. I was like, I, I couldn't stop. And then I've heard it on uh, other, let's call them professional podcasts where they have advertisers and stuff. And then my one friend at work, she was like, oh, well, you know, the only game I play is this little mobile game, and I've been playing it for like two years. And I'm like, oh, I've heard a lot about it. Let me download it and try it. So there's this stupid game out there called Best Fiends. And it, it's, I'm just going to say it's similar to like your Candy Crush Saga type games where you match different patterns and you make things disappear and blow stuff up and, you know, color coded and all that fun stuff. But... There again, in my mind, I got into the, oh, just one more level, just one more level, just one more level. The other day, it was 2.15 in the morning, and I can't go to sleep, and I'm holding my phone, being like, oh, just one more level, just, oh, 2.15 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just couldn't stop. Like, I don't know what it is, but my mind, whatever it was, it just got me hooked, and it was like... I played a little bit the first day, and then the next day, and then like the next thing you know, like you get the notification that like pops up saying, "Oh, you you have more resources available or whatever," and it was like, you know, I'm like laying in bed with my wife, and she's watching something on the TV, playing on her phone, and I'm playing, and I'm like, "Oh, it's midnight. Oh, it's one. Oh, it's two. And I'm like, "Yeah." So I just have to delete the game. I need it to stop giving me notifications that like just tempt me to come back in and play one more level, one more level, one more level. One more 75-hour stretch. I mean, 
So, yeah, I need to delete mobile games from my phone so that I can go back to playing what really matters. Real video games, like video gamers, and start shaming all these people who play mobile games and be like, no, that's a dumb game. Don't don't match the three colored leaves. Do something with Mario instead. I'm, uh, I wouldn't say that playing mobile games is not really playing games. It's just what you like to play. I know. Like, I, was a, I was a big fan of playing you know games like Bejeweled. I think the for me, one of the dangers about those those games, especially if they're free to play, is that temptation to spend a little money to advance the level. Because there was a game that I played that I had to quit Cold Turkey because it was obsessing. I was obsessing over it every every minute because you know every 15 minutes, you know this particular building would produce some kind of resource, or every hour, or every four hours, or let me get into these little battles. And being in a in a clan and helping each other out, and I just was obsessing about it, and I just I had to walk away when I saw how much time I was spending on it, and not in really healthy ways. And it's a it was kind of a tough decision. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't I'm glad I didn't spend money on it because I know you can very easily spend hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, but I mean you can play that stuff as long as you can say, you know, set a timer and say, okay, this is all that I'm going to play. And after the 30 minutes is up, then I just have to walk away. Yeah, see, and I, I don't have that... I haven't had that control with Best Fiends for whatever reason. I just keep wanting to play it. So I know I need to delete it because there's no productive value for me playing that game. It doesn't accomplish anything. I'm not advancing a story. It's just mindless. And I don't want to play it, but I do want to play it, if that makes sense. Um... But like you don't want to want to play it. I don't want to want to play it. <laughs> um, and like in Clash of Clans is you know it's that one like me and my buddy we started a clan you know now we have like fifty people in there and we go to war and we share resources and you know I, I have been through periods of time where on that game I was like okay well this building will be done upgrading at this hour so I have to log back in to make sure that I can upgrade another building and then this one will be done and this one will be done. And then, you know, it's like, oh, and then these resources will be here so that I have enough resources to do this, this, and this. But now, you know, five years later or whatever it is, it's like when I do an upgrade, it's like, oh, this is going to take 14 days to upgrade. You know, I don't worry about it too much. I just play a little bit, and it's more of just a social thing with me and my buddy back home, and we enjoy it, and I don't obsess over the game anymore. So as long as that's the only mobile game I'm playing... I'm perfectly fine, because I can just put a couple minutes into it every day and be good. But, man, when I downloaded that other game, I I went from, like, level 1 to, I think I'm on level 147, and I played it for two days. Yeah, that's the look. Like I said, the one night, I probably laid in bed the night that I was up until after 2 in the morning, when I finally was like, oh, it's after 2, I need to go to sleep. I probably started playing at, like, 9 o'clock that night. And I just did nothing, me and my wife talking in bed, and all I'm doing is playing this game and playing this game and playing this game. And it was like the next day, I'm like, did I really do that? Like, that makes, like, I get the addictive, I get the hook, I get the loop, I understand the way the games work. I've always been the type that has been addicted to video games, you know, from when I was little. And, you know, from the time when, like, my parents and I'd go to a laundromat, and then I'd sit there and put quarters into whatever the arcade game was. Or from when I had the Nintendo. Like, I have that addictive personality. And I know I need to avoid the mobile games. 
but something in my brain was like, oh yeah, I'll download it and try it. Someone else is playing it. and So, I'm going to delete it, and I'm going to start playing other games. And then next month, I won't talk about Best Fiends again. <laughs> we believe in you. Uh, so, yeah. I... I'm going to try to play Alien Isolation. I'm going to try to uh, to play some more Fire Emblem. And uh, depending on how well the xCloud beta thing works around my life, I'm probably going to try to put some hours into uh, Hellblade, which might end up, you know, taking away from the Alien Isolation, because Alien Isolation is an Xbox game for me, and being able to play that, it's either I have to wake up early when the kids are sleeping, or I have to get to the TV after the kids go to bed. Not really something I can play in front of them. So my hours are limited, and until the stress of this current portion of work is done, which is going to be in about two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, I'm not even going to have the, you know, the mental ability to play games after work or before work. So I'm just going to kind of chill, and then hopefully come mid-February I can start playing my A-game, Alien Isolation. What is everybody else looking forward to so we can... Uh, close this out. I see we've been chatting for a lot longer than I thought we were. <laughs> well, I plan on throwing more time into Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Trying to finish up across S and see if I can get some more time in Dragon Quest 11 and start Mario Maker 2. Nice. You're going to be playing a lot of Mario Maker. One, two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've got to catch up to my son. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for me, uh, well, I want to finish up Death Stranding. I'm hoping to do that in the next week. Uh, I've heard that there's 14 chapters in the game, 14 or 15, and I'm currently on five or six. So I don't know how much farther I truly have because I've already been playing it for something like 30 hours, and I'm only on chapter five. So it's very possible I have a good 30 or 40 hours ahead of me left in the game, but Anyway, uh, once I finish that, I've, I've, like you, Serge, I kind of trying to come up with a list of games I'd truly like to finish this year. Uh, ranging from small indie games that I feel like I need to play to the bigger ones from the last couple of years. And then some of the retro games that I've been picking up, I'd really like to actually play those. <laughs> so I made a list of the 20 games that I feel like I need to play, either because they're... Uh, popular in one way or another i guess uh but i'm not going to go through the entire list but i am going i am trying to pick between four right now and uh, those are Sekiro on the ps4 blasphemous on the switch uh amnesia collection on the ps4 and that has the first amnesia and the machine for pigs i think and uh vambrace cold souls by Dev Espresso Games on the PS4. Kind of in like this grim, horror-themed mood right now. And once I finish Death Stranding, I'm going to dive into one of those games. And I'm not really sure which one yet, but... I mean, February is basically like, you know, the first Halloween of the year. So I understand your grim (laughs) mood. (laughs) Right. I mean, start off with Blasphemous. I might as well be Blasphemous at the beginning of February... And I can clean up my act by the end. <laughs> Mike, what are you looking at playing? Well, um, 
I'm looking to finish up a game that I've been working on this month. Um, I've actually put about 70 hours into this game uh, this month. It's uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4. Um, I actually rolled credits um, this this afternoon. Uh, it's a hard push to get there, but then I, ra- I found out that there's a, a significant amount of post-game content, so I'd like to finish that out. Uh, before I really talk about it uh, next time we come around here. Um, and then I think after such a large game, I want a shorter, more of a palate cleanser type game. So I'm looking to jump into uh, The Gardens Between. It's uh, a game that I downloaded randomly off of uh, Game Pass. I don't know a whole lot about it. looked uh, kind of interesting from the screenshots, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it's actually a shorter game and I'm not just uh, deceiving myself. How often do you uh, deceive yourself with game lengths? Um, constantly. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> I think that's the right word. Uh, earlier you were talking about uh, one more turn, one more turn, and that reminded me of playing uh, Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses because um, instead of doing you know one more day on the farm or uh, one more turn in... Uh, the mobile game, it's, uh, you know, one more week, yeah, uh, one more month. And uh, that's how I got through two full playthroughs of the game um, very, very quickly. 120 hours, I think I have into that one. Wow, that's like three years worth of gaming for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we go, though, I, I did see that you asked for, for questions from the community, and I saw at least two come in. Uh, does anybody have uh, access to our, our Twitter feed? You can pull up uh, the questions that came in. What is Twitter? Sure do. Okay, so what is Twitter? our first question is from uh, Shellshock Prime, which is, uh, what's the best game that's been stuck in your backlog? Mm. And, like, I really don't feel like this is a fair question because, <laughs> well, I mean... All of us have like a fairly large backlog of some sort. We all have a ton of games in there, and it's like best game, very, very subjective. Like, mm. if if I showed you a list of my backlog, each one of you would pick out a different game with like, oh, dude, that's the best game. Why haven't you played this yet? And if I looked at it, I might be like, uh, I don't even know why I bought that, to be honest. But, <laughs> like, like, I am... I loved RPGs growing up when I was younger. Like, I played, you know, Dragon Warrior 1 on my NES. Like, and I've been in love with them since then. So I was, like, young trying to figure out, you know, how to go beat the final, the Dragon Boss. And, you know, on through to the Final Fantasies and stuff like that. So now that I'm older and I don't have as much time to game, I still think, in my mind, that I want to play RPGs even though I realize that, okay, I don't have the time to play them. And if I do play them, am I ever truly going to beat them? Or am I going to put 10 to 15 hours in them and then be forced to move on? Or I'm going to play one game for like five months straight, like Fire Emblem, for instance. Now I'm determined to beat Fire Emblem. I'm like invested in the story, but I literally have been playing the game probably for three months now. And I'm on to the second half of the game. So... I have a lot of these games that I bought not thinking about the time 
that I have to subject myself to. So, for instance, Persona 5. One of the best games in my backlog. Um, Persona 4 Golden. I put 15 to 20 hours into that, and I was absolutely in love with what I played. But it was like, do I really have the commitment to go for the next 80 and beat it? Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, so I'm going to go and say that none of those games are it, and it's Luigi's Mansion 3. That's the best game in my backlog that I really need to beat. Um, that is, like you said, Patrick, you have a list of 20 games that, in your mind, you're going to get to these games sometime this year, somehow, and you don't know where. Well, Luigi's Mansion 3 is one of those games for me. I, I imported it last year. Uh, you know, our good buddy, friend of the podcast, Benji Kong, um, I got a hold of him, and he hooked me up with the Steelbook Edition, the glow-in-the-dark Steelbook, that beautiful, beautiful thing that it was. And, you know, he shipped it over to me, and don't roll your eyes, sir, I'm addicted. <laughs> um, but, so, you know, I got it last year, but when it showed up, I was already kind of like in the middle of another game. I think I maybe started Fire Emblem slightly before that, and it was like, I want to finish this journey before I move on. So Fire Emblem is going to be my big game, and then I'm going to have the smaller games in there in Luigi's Mansion 3, even though I'm going to put it up to the Backlog Council, and it's going to go to a vote, and it's going to go to Twitter. Uh, that's going to be my L game. I have a feeling that at least somebody, everybody nodding currently, is going to be like, well, how can you not play Luigi's Mansion 3? And then everybody on Twitter is going to be like, this game was so good, like, you have to play it. So I feel confident that it's going to be a game that gets all the votes, and it's on my list for this year. So even if it doesn't, I'm going to play it. Um, I love Luigi's Mansion 2. I I want to... I don't think Jacob's going to want to play it with me, even though Guigi is there. Uh, but I think he's going to at least want to watch me play it. So that's the best game that's on my backlog. That's a good one. It's a really good one. You're welcome. <laughs> Anybody else have you any know, good it's... games on there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a difficult choice, like you were saying. And uh, the way that I kind of took it was, what's one of the games on your backlog that you know that you're going to like and want to play, but for one reason or another, you haven't gotten to it? And for me, I want to say it's Sekiro. And that's why it's one of the four games I'm trying to choose between right now. Uh, as a big Dark Souls fan, somebody... Uh, I had to go with Sekiro. <laughs> as a big Dark Souls fan, as a big From Software fan, um, you know, I love the Tenchu games. I love the Armored Core games. All of their crazy Kingsfield-style games that they released between the PS1 and PS2. Uh, I feel like I am obligated to play Sekiro because it's kind of a mixture of what I loved about their old games and what they're doing now with the Dark Souls and um bloodstained or bloodstained wow. uh bloodborne <laughs> and and the fact that it's you know it's feudal japan you're a ninja you have a mechanical arm there's a grappling hook there's giant ogres that are trying to smash you with huge clubs i just need to play it and i'm going to try to make an effort in the next couple months to try to be that for that to be one of the games that i tackle very soon yeah Alrighty, ryan what's the best game you got 
You know what I was trying to think about that? And maybe Final Fantasy X. I bought that physically sometime last year. It was like 10 and uh, 10 2. And I've played maybe about an hour of it. I really like Final Fantasy games, at least 4 and 6. And I don't know. I just haven't felt motivated to go back to it for some reason. And I, I don't know why. Because it's a bad game by- and Blitzball's horrible. Okay, so I've heard that about it, but I'm hoping the rest of it's going to be okay. I don't know. Like, I I do like RPGs, just like you, Serge, but it's a matter of finding the time to sit down and commit to doing it. So, you know, finding 15 minutes to do a a day in Stardew Valley, it's quick, it's simple. There's not, there's not a lot of exposition. You just go and you do it. Um, so I have a hard time starting RPGs. Like, I, like Dragon Quest XI was sitting there. And that might be another one that maybe is the best one that's on my backlog. I want to play it. I want to go in and fight monsters. But I know that the next thing that's going to happen will be side quests and talking to a king and more storytelling. And I think I have to be in the mood for it. Mm-hmm. So it's... yeah, and, and, and I hate that because it was but two years ago when Octopath Traveler came out and I couldn't wait for it to come in the mail. And as soon as I started playing it, that didn't leave my Switch until I'd already poured in like 80 hours into it. And I, I kept thinking about it. I had a notebook where I was writing down like, okay, what are the prices for items in different towns? What are the different special abilities that I can, you know, assign to my characters? How am I going to plan this out? Here's this really bad boss. What am I going to do? Like I was planning this out and I couldn't wait to get back into it. But. I don't know, maybe it's just a different stage in life right now, two years later. I'm looking at the case right now, sitting right here for Dragon Quest XI. And I just want to grab this and boot up Stardew. Well, you know, it's like you said, sometimes it's just like maybe Dragon Quest XI will be something that if you try again in two or three months, you'll get that that hook, the way that Octopath really kind of like devoured you and you devoured it. And it's just sometimes it's like, eh, this game isn't for me at the moment. So I need to move on and maybe give it an attempt later. And that's something that, you know, this year I'm trying to do more of. Like if I'm playing a game, I'm not going to be like, I need to complete this game. It's, you know, if I put five hours into it and it's just, like, I'm not thinking about it, and when I, I go to boot up a game, I'm like, oh, eh, that game's in my Switch. I guess I'll put some time into it. Like, if I'm not actively wanting to keep putting time into it, I'm going to I'm gonna try to move on instead of just be like, okay, this will be off my mental backlog for the minute. Let's see what can get its hooks in me so that, you know, I want to keep putting the time into it. Like, when I played the Telltale Batman game, like, I wanted to come back to that a lot. Um I've only ever played, like, one Telltale game before, and that was, like, most of the first season of The Walking Dead. But this Batman game, you know, the lore and everything about the game, the way they introduced the characters and the way the Joker was in there and the way that the Penguin was portrayed and everything they were doing to Bruce Wayne and Batman and the decisions you made, even down to the really, and I'm going to call it crappy because it's it's Telltale, but, like, the quick-time combos that you had to do for combat. You know, it wasn't anything amazing, but, like, I just wanted to run through that game and beat it. Like, it just, it got to me. 
and that's what I'm looking for. Like, I have diminished time to play, so I want to be enjoying every minute that I'm playing. If if I'm putting, like, time into a game and it's just not grabbing me, maybe it's something that, you know, in a couple of months or maybe next year it'll be something that it's, like, that clicks with me at that point. Um, I've had a lot of games like that where, you know, when I try playing them, it was kind of, eh. Like, the big one that I can point to is just something like Bulletstorm. When that game came out, it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't into those type of games. I got it free on PS Plus. And I was like, okay, I'll try this. And I put maybe an hour into it, and I just thought it was awful. I was like, this is dumb. The mechanics are stupid. Like, I'm not into it. But then last year, like, whatever it was, I started playing that game, and, like, the the arcade nature of it and the over-the-top everything, like, hooked me, and I wanted to keep playing, and I wanted to beat it. And then after I beat it, I wanted to go back to it and keep playing and, like, unlock some of the abilities and unlock the infinite ammo. And it was like, you know, sometimes you just need, you know, maybe it's like this month you need an RPG and that's where your brain wants to be. And maybe next month it's like, oh, you know what? Platformer is pretty much the only thing that's going to grab me. So that's the way I'm trying to look at gaming this year to, like, you know, what's going to give me the most enjoyment instead of finishing Sonic Mania just so I can talk about how I finished Sonic Mania. Yeah, and I know that, you know, once summer comes around and my schedule is a little bit different, that's when I'll probably be able to dive into it a little bit more. But that's me. Yes. How about you, how about you Mike? What's on your backlog that... Well, uh, for me, I think I analyzed this question a little bit differently than, than Patrick did. Uh, for him, it was, you know, what he knows he's going to love once he gets to. For me... I think I'm going to take it from the what does everybody rave about that I haven't given a sufficient chance to. So for me, I think that that game is going to be uh, The Last of Us. Now, I hear every single person that's played this game, except for me, rave about this game. Now, when I break down what it actually uh, Hi, little guy. It's uh, a a story-driven horror game. It sounds right up my alley. Not to interrupt, so, but both children somehow snuck past my wife, made it into the recording room, and then my daughter just shut the door on my wife so she couldn't come in here and get her back out. Um, I love <laughs> The Last of Us. I, I didn't get to that game until the PS4 remaster, and when I finally got to it, I was like, I kicked myself because I'm like, man, I really should have played this when it came out on the PS3. Um, on the PS3 is when I discovered, you know, Naughty Dog and like I loved Uncharted. I thought it was really weird that it, Uncharted went from like being like a run and gun cover shooter and then it turned into survivor horror at the end of it. But like by the time I played The Last of Us and that remaster, I was just like, I really wish I would have gotten into this game when it first came out because it was so good. So, like, you not having played that, I am excited for you to be able to get into that game and play it. Because I'm hoping you share the same reactions and the same excitement. Because I think I played, like I said, it was the PS4 remaster, so it was already after I had, like, my first kid. And, like, the opening of that game, with me having a child compared to what it might have been if I didn't have one, it was like, oh, wow, like, it got me. And, like, from that point on, like, I was so intent on that game 
and I was playing it, and I was, like, sharing it on Facebook when PlayStation would let you do Facebook share stuff. And, you know, I had buddies commenting, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just played that scene, too. And, like, that was amazing. And it was, like, that was just one of those games. And it took me a while to get through because I'm a slow player, and uh, I'm not good on the mechanics. But, man, I want to, like, replay that game before the second one comes out. Yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. And knowing your tastes in games, Mike, I think that you will like it. Especially if you like survival horror games. And uh, it's not very often that survival horror games will go that extra mile with the um, the plot and the dialogue and the storytelling and everything. The characters. It's literally one of the best games I've ever played last generation. I'm not going to say ever because you never know. But Last of Us 2, excellent, excellent game. And there's more than just that first 15 minutes as well. There's many points in the story where you're absolutely floored, and I can't wait for you to play it either. And when you do, I may play it with you. <laughs> I might well, I'll let well. you know when I pick it up. Yeah. See, these are the reactions that I'm talking about. Everybody raves about this game. I played it for a little bit right when I got uh, my PS3, which was gifted to me um, around the time I got my Switch. So really, really late adopter to the PS3. And I had um, like a, a plug-in controller, a wired controller, a uh, third party. It didn't have the six axis that you're supposed to have. And it, I kept struggling with keeping it connected and working while I was playing it. So I got to the scene where uh, Joel is hanging upside down and I, the controller kept dying on me. And I was getting so frustrated with the hardware that I couldn't continue with the game. Uh, because the the mushroom face guys, who I can't remember what mm-hmm. clickers, clickers yeah. I think they're called, uh, kept eating my face. So I put the game down, I, I put the PlayStation down, and, and I walked away, and and I picked up my my Wii U and went back to Mario. I can't believe you put your PlayStation <laughs> down like it was a horse that was getting turned into glue. It's just it's not right, man. The PlayStation deserves respect. <laughs> Alrighty. Anybody have anything else? Uh, there was one other question that we got. Oh, um, you're right. You're right. Do you have it up? Uh, I do. Uh, from from Kevin. Uh, Is that right? No, I have one from Ergammon. Uh, he must have replied to my retweet. Then, uh, do you mind if I read it? Go for it. Uh, he says, "What game in your backlog are you most nervous about talking on?" either because of long playtime, high difficulty, or whatever the re- uh, reason you have to be nervous? Um, to be honest, I it's not like I'm Patrick playing Panty Party Raid or whatever that game was where you turn into a pair of panties and go through bullet hell and shoot people. So I have no shame. <laughs> I have no shame. <laughs> like, I know what my gaming hobby is, so there's nothing really out there that, like, I'm skeptical about talking about. Um, my thing is trying to make sure that when I'm talking about the games that I'm playing, if it's something more mature, that I keep this as family friendly as possible. You know, that's one of the things that I really like that, you know, Turkey instilled in me as a family friendly podcast, you know, no bad language, no swearing, keep everything nice and clean. And I like that about it. And, it kind of like it gives me like a pleasant focus in life, so I enjoy that. 
and you know just playing a lot of games with like dark dark subject matter so me trying to figure out how to talk about it in more of a more of a friendly light than the way I would normally talk to my buddies about it like you know that's just kind of like a mental challenge for me you know not saying something dumb like I said earlier and we'll have to edit out of the podcast but <laughs> but I don't have anything on on my backlog I mean I'll I'll let you guys know I have a copy of Lollipop Chainsaw and I'm not afraid to admit that I dress up like a teenager wearing a bikini sucking on a lollipop and just running through people with chainsaws that is the type of thing I'm into. It's a lot of fun. And if you haven't played Lollipop Chainsaw, you're doing yourself a disservice. It, it's a good game. It really is. It's it's pure cheese. It's 100% I, pure cheese. Yeah, I got all 1,000 gamer scores. See? Exactly. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> he is not ashamed of 1,000 gamer <laughs> I told you, I have no shame. Yeah, so... Panty parody. Just remember it. Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. Yeah, I mean, the physics on that, that game yeah. alone... Bazunga, Bazanga, what was what's that? <laughs> I will say that I've not played that since the original Xbox. I haven't do- I haven't dove back into the physics, if you know what I'm saying. I I've never played. Um, <laughs> like I think the most embarrassing thing that I've ever really played was um, if and and it goes into that whole dating sim genre almost. Um, you know, there's like an RPG based around it, but like Persona, you've got like all the social stuff. Um, if and Patrick might be the only one who will have heard of this before, but the uh, Artonelico series, mm-hmm. and and that was you know that very very Japanese where like all the innuendos, everything is there, and like when you're playing the game, you're like, oh, you just said what, <laughs> um, well, you know, but yeah. to me like the game and the mechanics were a whole lot of fun. And then just like all the random sexual innuendos just made it even better for me at the time I was playing through it. And I'd really like to play the second and third ones. I just haven't got around to it. But there's no shame on my backlog. No. I think if I were going to pick a a game from my backlog that um, I I probably wouldn't want to talk about on here is uh, a title called Leisure Suit Larry. You guys ever hear a Leisure Suit Larry? I got a box yeah. set. Remember, <laughs> we... Yeah. Leisure Suit Larry, that was like a nice old classic point-and-click adventure. <sighs> yeah. I, I loved good old Leisure Suit Larry. But, you know, it's no Dream Daddy. What was that Dream Daddy dating simulator that came out last year? That one I heard might make its yep. way to the Switch. You know, the Mega Dads reviewed it. I thought that was hilarious. Um... It's a good game. It's fun. Ah, see, not into PC gaming, so I didn't get into it. <laughs> but, um, and then our last question, Ergammon, Ergammon, Egg, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Ergammon because that that works for me. Um, and this is kind of another one of those questions where I don't think I really have a good answer, but it's what games slash consoles are you playing to clear out of your backlog? And then the other question, what game did you really want to play at release but were not able to, and it ended up being a disappointment? So for the first question, you know, what games consoles am I playing to clear out my backlog? Um, I'm too deep into the generations for this to be something that's accomplishable. Um, when the PS4 and the Xbox One came out, I, was, I, I went into it with the mindset. I was like, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, you need to shave. Wait, wait, wait. 
I, that's what my wife says. <laughs> I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I am only going to buy games that I'm going to beat. And when I beat them, I'll pick up something new. And then a month later, both systems had like a 12-game backlog. So I gave up real quick. <laughs> and then the Switch happened. And I'm like, I'm going to play the Switch. And I'm going to play games and I'm going to beat them. Then I'm going to move on and get other games. And now I've got like a 100-game backlog. So... What games or systems am I going to be playing that I'm looking to clear out? It, it, it's not going to happen. I I have come to peace with the fact that I am never going to have a system where I don't have a backlog. I'm going to have a backlog at some point. And the big you know, prevailing factor is you have Black November. You have constant eShop sale. Like that, that sale that Nintendo had at the end of December, early January... I think I added like seven games just from that because the price point was so low. A couple of them I looked at and I was like, I might not get to this, but when's the next time I'm going to see a price that low? And if I don't buy it now and I want to play it in six months, the price might be double. You know, you know, the same thing is like, like the Epic Game Store. I'm never going to buy a game on there, but every week I go back and grab a free one. You know, PS Plus, Game Pass. So I think I'm content with the fact that I'm never going to have a system where I don't have a backlog, and I'm never going to be able to clear the backlog that I have. And it's a really interesting point that, you know, from growing up, where I probably put like 800 hours into Super Mario Bros. 3, because that was the only game I had for a four-month period. And then, you know, I had Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and so I just played that until I could beat Mike Tyson without, like, thinking. You know, to the point where I'm at now, where I'm an adult with disposable income and I make bad choices and I buy games that I might not play for three or four years because I can. So it's not. I think the only time I didn't have a big backlog to worry about was the Super Nintendo because games were 60, 70, 80 dollars. So you spend that much money and these games were not regularly going on sale. You didn't have these indie titles that would be five, ten bucks. I spent 80 bucks. I'm going to play that game, get my $80 worth. I didn't have, like, on my Switch, 100 games to choose from because I got them all on sale and really cheap. I had maybe a dozen games, and I, those were $80 games. Yeah, so, like, for me, you know, like, I never had a backlog back then, and one of the reasons why was because I just couldn't buy games. I think... I was in high school at the time, so most of the time I played games, I was renting them from the local video store. And if I owned a game, it was because I bought it used off that video store because I've already rented it so many times. Now that it's on sale, I might as well buy it and keep playing it. But, yeah. After graduation, when I got a job, when I got income, that's when it all went downhill. Being an adult is tough. You have to make the hard choices. Like, which of these hundred games am I going to play? <laughs> well, as, as far as playing uh, consoles just to clear your backlog, I think uh, you guys have inspired me to work on my Wii U backlog uh, because now it's plugged in. So I have, I don't know, 20-ish games on there that I might try to run through, uh, at least some of them, as long as it's still hooked up. Uh, Hyrule Warriors comes to mind. Um Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, um, NES Remix, all of those uh, come to mind as games that I should clear off of my backlog as long as the Wii U is still um, hooked up. So 
that would be my answer there. And as far as the other question, a game that you know I grabbed at launch and ended up being disappointed with, I, I don't have a good answer for that, honestly. I mean, I, I don't keep track of when most games come out. So <laughs> I, I couldn't say. With, with as many good games that come out, most of the time I don't grab a game at launch unless I know it's something that's up my alley. Like, games that I've grabbed at launch over the last couple of years have been stuff like God of War, Luigi's Mansion, you know, stuff that every time I get around to playing them, I like them. I honestly don't remember the last time that I bought a game. Well, no, I do remember the last time. So the last time, the last two times that I bought a game, and by the time I got around to it, I didn't like it, was like Mass Effect, which... You know, and that might have been a product of I love Dragon Age so much. So when I finally got around to playing Mass Effect, I was like, oh, it's the same developer. And I was hoping. But like Dragon Age Origins was one of my favorite RPGs at the time. And Mass Effect, like the, the skill trees, the dialogue system, none of it grabbed me. So I didn't like it. And then um, Dragon Age Inquisition. It was like I picked that up with like when it launched, because I was like, I remember loving Origins so much. And then when I started playing it, I was like, I just could not get into it. So I moved on. Hmm. On the inverse side, I absolutely love Knack. And everybody makes fun of it. But it was such a fun platformer on the PS4. Um, I loved it, and I can't wait to pick up the second one. And I hope they make a third one. And everybody who complains about Knack, I, I just hope they keep making them so they give you something to complain about and me something more to enjoy. Um, for me the only game I can think of from recent memory that I picked up near uh, launch and was kind of disappointed in was uh, Man in Medan I really liked Until Dawn I was absolutely obsessed with it it was the first game I played on my PS4 and my wife and I we just kind of went through every single scenario trying to figure out how we could keep each of the survivors alive you know from the beginning until the end and then when we play played man of a dan it just didn't seem to have the same hook that until don did and it was still interesting and i like where they were headed and i'm curious to see what they do with the other um i forget what they're calling it the dark pictures anthology something like that but yeah i just wasn't quite as uh hooked on man of a dan as i was until don Oh, that that's not good news for me. Uh, that's that's a game I'm planning on running through with my son here pretty quick because we really did enjoy playing uh, Until Dawn on yeah. uh, on his PlayStation 4 when it came out. But I mean, the the story driven stuff we always do together. That and like all the Telltale games we've done together. So, right. and then I know that one's past the controller multiplayer. So hoping yeah. it would be better. But, but I mean, maybe, it was still maybe, fun. Maybe my opinion will be different than yours. Yeah, it was still fun. I will give it that, but it didn't have the same, I don't, the same oomph as Until Dawn. I didn't find myself wanting to go back and replay it multiple times to see all the different scenarios like I did with Until Dawn. But you may like it. Um, just that was the one I was disappointed in recent memory. My biggest disappointment was actually a birthday present that I got for the Wii. It was NCAA football all play edition. 
And I was excited because for the first time in a long time, NCAA football, which I absolutely love the versions that were on the GameCube. I love college football. When I heard it was coming out on the Wii, I'm like, this is going to be great. Finally, it's going to be on a system that I own. And my wife said, hey, we got this pre-ordered for you for your birthday. I'm like, thank you. This is great. And then I got it, and I played it, and it sucked. It was the worst. Just because the Wii U had motion controls, they said, hey, let's make sure that we use them for everything, for passing the football, for kicking field goals. And it just, like, the, the graphics looked worse than they did on the GameCube. I'm sitting there going, this is a $60 game, and I don't want to play it. I don't, I, and I felt like I had to because we'd spent the money and it was a birthday present. And then my wife would ask, so are you enjoying the game? And you said yes. Well, <laughs> I think I, I try very hard not to lie unless people are asking me how I'm doing. So I, I think I was probably honest with her. I said, it's, it's, it's really not that good. And like it's it's not her fault because she knew it was something that I wanted. It was just, yeah. it was like the biggest disappointment in terms of a, a video game purchase I've ever had. Just hands down. Oh, just don't ever. And that was the last time there was an NCAA football game on a Nintendo console. And now EA just uh, thinks Nintendo doesn't exist. No, well, it's just like on the Wii U, they brought out Madden NFL. At launch, mm-hmm. and I bought it, and that was the last time there was a Madden game. And EA is like, "Well, look at this. This uh, soccer game is not selling very well, so therefore, football is not going to do well on it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> because those are the same EA. Good job. All right. Well, I appreciate all the questions. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where it's going to be edited in. You may have already heard it already, but there is a turkey on the run somewhere since Jeremy couldn't be here with us. Hey guys, it's me, Trash Turkey here, on the run, in Canada, in Sean Capri's backyard, with some fellow turkeys. You know, it's great back here and all, but I think I might try to better myself uh, in 2020, and maybe get a job, you know? Stop living off of Sean Capri and the scraps that he throws at me uh, nightly. And, and so I've been looking around at some different options, And there's an establishment uh, in Alberta called Alberta Turkey Producers. And I'm assuming that this isn't some kind of turkey plant, but this is, in fact, some kind of turkey talent agency. So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm going to let you guys know how it turns out when I go in and try to interview at Alberta Turkey Producers. So I'm going to get some new headshots done and um, get some... Maybe some footage of the Backlog Busters to present and see what they say. So look forward to that. As far as gaming, uh, which, you know, is pretty exciting, that gaming stuff. Well, being in a backyard, um, I kind of, I've had to charge up my 3DS and just play the 3DS uh, when I have an opportunity. And so I've been playing some awesome retro games I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, after playing some of those Sega 3D classics, I had to get some more that weren't on the cartridge. So last year, Christmas, they had a couple on sale, Gunstar Heroes 3D and OutRun 3D. So Gunstar's Hero 3D 
is an amazing port of the game that was on the Genesis. This game on the Genesis was kind of like if um, Treasure made uh, a baby of mm, Contra and Metal Slug. And uh, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't know if there could be a cooler baby than that. That's a pretty cool baby. Also, Outrun 3D. Uh, the 3D in that game is really cool. And I would say some of the coolest chill music in a racing game. Oh, not a racing game, a driving game. This is a driving game. The best driving game around. Uh, and the last game I've been playing on my 3DS, Guruman 3D, A Monstrous Adventure, which is a super cute, I'm talking grade A, the cutest of cutes, probably cuter than this Metal Slug Contra Baby, Grumin 3D, A Monstrous Adventure on 3DS, was originally a PC game ported to the PSP and then eventually ported to the 3DS. Uh, this game, I think, originally came out in 2004, so it's kind of an oldie but goodie. Uh, it's a 3D platformer, but heavy on the action as well, um, and some RPG elements where you can level up your... Uh, you have like a, a drill weapon in this game. And you level that up, and you get new move sets. You get cute cat ears that you can wear that uh, assist you in finding items in the level, so you can get like a S rank. You know the turkey's not all about that, but it's it's fun to put on cat ears. Not gonna lie. And um, I think it's an awesome game. Story is you know a story from a video game that's super cutesy in 2004, but I will say that it's pretty hilarious, just the monotone and uh, ridiculous um, dialogue is just is just great. So uh, I'd say I picked that up on a sale uh, around Christmas last year for like $2. So I would say if you get it like $5, $6, I say jump on it. It's amazing. So I've heard it compared to Brave Fencer Musashi, which I haven't played, but man, I kind of want to play that now because this game is so good. Uh, essentially, you go, you're a girl that her parents go on an adventure, so you go and stay with your grandpa, who's kind of senile, and you you get to see these monsters in town that nobody else can see. These cute monsters are um, really friendly and adorable, and then these phantoms, you know, do what phantoms do, and they mess stuff up. And so then all the monsters scatter, and so you have to go collect the monsters again, find them, and find their items that they love, like a monster that loves to dance, his boombox, and a monster that apparently loves to relax, his lazy boy. And as you find these monsters and these items um, and give them a little bit of their joy back, uh, it moves away this darkness from the level I shouldn't say level, but kind of the overworld that allows you to go to more levels. So there's an overworld element where you get to choose what level you want to go into. They're kind of like small, I wouldn't even say dungeons, but kind of just small stages uh, that you go around, platform, defeat enemies, collect monster parts that then allow you to upgrade your cat ears uh, or your gas mask or such things as that. Anyways, really fun, and for like $2.50 is what I think I got it for on the 3DS when it was on sale. Absolutely worth it. Also, the Backlog Busters, I believe they talked about possibly doing some Mario Maker stuff. Mario Maker 2, you say? No, absolutely not. This is the Backlog Busters 
we are only focusing on the original Mario Maker because, well, just just because. I don't know why. So yes, Mario Maker, I have not made a level yet. I have slacked, but I would love to play anybody's level that um, uh, once we get the community involved and everyone submits a deluge of levels, I would gladly play them all hopefully i'm gonna give a hopefully we also possibly could be talking about the smash brothers uh we've got all of the all of the characters in character pack one established and maybe kind of what the backlog busters think some of the characters should be in character pack two i'm gonna tell you a character you probably could guess this a certain character that arc system works is involved with should be in Smash. Now, you're probably saying, oh, one of those characters from Blaze Blue, or one of those fighting characters from Guilty Gear. Well, you would be wrong. Oh, one of the characters from Double Dragon. No, again, you're wrong. One of the longest running series, the character we need in Smash, the character we have to have in Smash, has been around for more than, I don't know, 30 years. Oh, that's right, Kunio Kun. He started busting people's faces and making them barf back in 1987 with Renegade. Uh, this hot-blooded dude, Kunio Kun, should be in Smash. And that's that. Um, things to look forward to. Like I said, Mike's wife is going to be playing Hellblade, so we have a review coming in for that. Um, our good buddy, Hungry Hungry Hippo, has another review. He's uh, going to be getting two for us. You know, he was an adopted backlogger last year. He gave us a 75-hour uh, dissertation on Octopath Traveler. And, you know, I really enjoy listening to people's opinions of games. Like, even when they're not on the podcast, I like to know, you know, what people are enjoying and how they think of it. You know, just giving me another perspective on it. So I'm really looking forward to his review. And I think it was World of Final Fantasy that he was going to be uh, reviewing for us. Um <clears throat> And other than that, I really don't have anything else. It's getting late. I have a tired toddler in my lap right now. He's almost to the point where he's going to be cranky and noisy. I know. <laughs> I don't understand. He was asleep, and then he randomly woke up. But um, <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to, and I hope that you, you, all you lovely people out there, dig into your Wii U, find it, blow the dust off of it, shine it up a little bit, plug it in, and break out the Mario Maker. Um, play Patrick's levels and be like, this is really, really nice. And then play Mike's level and be like, I'm putting my Wii U away forever. Mike <laughs> broke my Wii U. No, I'm joking. But I'm, I, I just hope that you know people play the codes that we're putting out there, even if we just get a couple. And I hope that people submit some stuff to us because I'm really looking forward to playing... Um, I'm going to play a bunch of random levels, but I want to play levels of you know people that I'm interacting with. I want to be able to, you know, just kind of like I'm talking trash here. I want to be able to be like, oh, that level, it was awful. I couldn't beat it. I died too many times. Or, like, like the one thing I really liked about Patrick's level was, like, when you're running at the end, and it's almost like I'm afraid that something's going to happen, but you're just making that final little run and the fireworks pop. And it's like, oh, that was, that was pretty cool. Like, there's just so much stuff that can be done with that game. I want to see the creativity that's, you know, from everybody out there. Especially since, you know, 
They could even be just sharing levels that they made, you know, three, four years ago. But I want to play them. I want to talk about them. Um, if I get a chance, I want to watch you guys, you know, stream them. So that's my excitement. And uh, that, that's all I have to say to end this show. Have you guys got anything? No, when when it comes to Mario Maker, once we get the codes, once we have, if any, if we make any more, we can set up some streams uh, to showcase them all. Because yeah. we haven't done that yet. We haven't done our levels yet. Uh, and I think that would be fun. So if you have any levels that you'd like to see us play, send them our way. We'll play them, and we'll even play them on stream or make a video, something like that, so we can showcase what you all have done. And, you know, just in case you need it, how to beat Mike's levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- where would be a good place for people to uh, to share that to? Um, where, where do you want people to send all the codes? They can tag Backlog Busters, at Backlog underscore Busters. Uh, just tag us on that. That'll be like a quick and easy way to dump them off. Um, the couple levels that we have now, I'm going to put them in the show notes when I put the podcast out. Uh, the next podcast that rolls around, anybody that shares their levels with us, I'm going to put those in the show notes as well so that you know people can dig them up and play with us. And then I'll be retweeting anything that they send to us. You know, That way, just in case anybody else you know, has that urge to fire up the Wii U, pull out that huge, as, as my, my little buddy here, Jacob, put it, Dad, why is your Nintendo Switch so big? <laughs> so, you know... If anybody else wants their kids to look at them funny and be like, why are you holding that instead of your Switch? But, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll retweet it. We'll put them in the show notes. We'll uh, we'll get them out there and get them played, and I'm looking forward to it. I would even ask if they, when they send in the codes, could you mark it, you know, easy, medium, hard? Because uh, those hard ones, I'm not even going to waste my time. I tried a few. <laughs> I tried a few that um, I guess people had posted uh Whenever we uh, made the thing on Twitter a while ago and tried playing that with my son, and we were both like, no, pass. We need to do something a little bit easier. So if you want to send the easy levels my way, that'd be great. Ryan and I will take the easy levels. Patrick and Mike will take the hard levels. Yeah, so just just go to that 50% clear rate. If if it's 50% or higher clear rate, send them to to Serge and Ryan. Uh, 50% (laughs) or lower, send them to Patrick or, or me. Um, yep. 1% or lower, send them exclusively to Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see me try it for hours and hours and never break a sweat. Just one more time. Just one more time. Right. One more try. You Just, got it. I'm not, I'm not even going to be angry. Just one more time. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if nobody has anything else, this has been another successful recording of the Backlog Busters. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yahoo! Backlog Busters. This is Call Sign Hungry Pup, and I am coming to you live from my couch. I was looking forward to this opportunity for quite a long time. I wanted to reach out to my friends at the Backlog Busters and tell them that I am still out there. I have been a fan of yours for a while. You do not know me. I am someone who, on my Podbean app, went and looked for a podcast that was about video games and backlogs, and I found you guys. And I've been a happy, happy person ever since. A happy, a happy pup. Um, so I noticed the Backlog Busters has rebranded a little bit, changed. We have 
Backlog Odyssey, and Blaze Knight, Mathman, and of course, Trash Turkey and Grouchy Surge. And I wanted to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about video games with you. A uh, couple notes on myself. I'm a very positive person. I'm not ashamed that I love video games. I recognize that as I get older and the responsibilities of being a father and a husband get more serious and intense, I am very fortunate and happy that I have my video games that keep reminding me of the simple times of when I was a kid and when I was playing outside and it started raining and I'd run inside and play Mega Man 2 and Super Mario 3 and Marble Madness and all the glorious nostalgia that I worked so hard to capture once again. So I just want to play video games for fun. I don't want to put any pressure on myself. I want to Stay family friendly. And of course, Grouchy Surge. I love hamburgers, chicken wings, adult beverages. I am trying very hard to stick to a diet right now, but I really do love chicken wings. It's probably one of my favorite foods ever, and I just I couldn't resist an opportunity to bring that up. And by the way, I changed my name to Hungry Hungry Hippo just so I could have this conversation about chicken wings and chilling and talking about video games. Anyway, I just want to be part of the conversation. I want to be part of the community. Anyway, anytime, anyway, you want me to participate, I'd be happy to do so. I am always looking for an opportunity to talk about video games because, frankly, my kids are young. Can't really talk about video games much these days. Um, at least not yet. So, what have I been doing? I have beaten a couple games. Not going to put out a formal review right now, but just to let you know, I've beaten Outer Worlds. It's a, an action role-playing game. It was developed by Obsidian. Obsidian are developing friends that made Fallout New Vegas, which is another game that I have not finished. But I enjoyed what I played of Fallout New Vegas. I really did. And it made me want to play Outer Worlds. And Outer Worlds is like this sci-fi RPG. And as Grouchy Surge knows, I like RPGs. And it's got this story-driven, choices-matter type game and it's kind of like a first person shooter and I'm like I'm in let's let's check it out and I beat it and I enjoyed it and uh I would say it was a good game I wouldn't say it was really really memorable um but I'm happy I rolled credits um would I put the uh the hungry pup stamp of approval like go buy this now uh no no I don't think I'd do that but um just because I know all of our time is valuable my time is valuable and I think there are better games out there for sure. Um, but, you know, if you have a – what did I spend on this? Like 30-some hours? Uh, 36 hours. Then it was it was, it was was worth it. I'm never going to say a game wasn't worth it. I uh, also played Link's Awakening. For those that know me, um, which I'm going to help you know me. I guess I don't know you guys that well. Um, but, but I am a huge Legend of Zelda fan. I had to play Link's Awakening. It is a, a remake of a 1993 Game Boy game. When I was little, I wasn't, I didn't have this game, and I always wanted it. It was one of those like regrets. Oh, I know I didn't have this for Game Boy. Um, I was 10, or I was 11, I guess at the time. Um, but I really enjoyed playing the remake. I collected all of the magical instruments, and I enjoyed wandering around Koholint Island. And I definitely would recommend Link's Awakening Remake. I, I love everything about Zelda. I'll play every Zelda that comes out. 
I, I have to. As I'm sitting here on my couch, I'm wearing a Legend of Zelda shirt. I spent about 23 hours on this. It was definitely worth it. I played it through November and December. So there you go. Like around Thanksgiving and the holidays, I played Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I played Outer Worlds. And now I am on World of Final Fantasy. And I'll tell you, I'm something to the order of 47 hours into this game. It's the end of January. I think I'm going to finish it next weekend. But we'll see how I could manage the work life, family, kids, and my video game love this weekend. I got parents coming up, so it's going to be a little difficult. But I'm going to make an attempt to to uh, beat the postscript. I actually beat the, the final boss in World of Final Fantasy, but didn't get to the very, very end. I kind of got the not true ending. And then I was like, what is this? I need to, I need to, you know, do it right. I want to see the true ending. I put 47 hours into this game. It wasn't like the 90 hours I put into Octopath, but it was, uh, it still was a good game and I love me some Final Fantasy. So I hope to, to get to you soon with that. But anyway, thank you once again for letting me be part of the conversation and be part of the community. I really appreciate that. I really love your guys' show. And I, I just like conversations about video games. It's, it's one of the things that just makes me a happy pup. So anyway, over and out. I will talk to you guys soon. Dear backloggers, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday recording a podcast about games that came out years ago. But we think you're crazy to make us write this essay telling you what games we bought on sale. The backlog grows as it wants to grow. We play on easy mode. We don't often roll credits. But what we found out is that each of us has the blues, is an odyssey and a blaze night, a math man and a turkey. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, the Backlog Busters. Backlog.